Welcome to the end of the year wrap up for 2022 on the Waste of Potential podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, fuck yeah. <laughs> it's already 2023. We're late. <laughs> we did it. We made it through another apocalypse. Um, it's funny how it's a new year, but really you're starting to see that things just don't change. Like, I feel like 2022 was kind of a big year. Like, Hollywood is, like, actively imploding in front of us, which is kind of fun. And not, like, Hollywood in general, but, like, big Hollywood is just, like, turning into a black hole and it's just sucking itself into oblivion with these Marvel movies and Disney <laughs> Like, oh even God. Disney can't figure it out. It's awesome. Um, we lost Ye again. <laughs> <laughs> we got him back for a little bit and promptly lost him again to the Nazi party. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? We're uh, 30 seconds in here to mention Nazis. Oh, perfect. It can't be a... <laughs> I said we lost someone to them. <laughs> Welcome to Waste of Potential I didn't Podcast. Say we, <laughs> we lost an artist and gained a friend or some <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> um, Biden's still a hologram. Um, no, he's not a hologram. He's like, a, it's a small world, like robotics of Disneyland era of like, it doesn't really operate properly. It's not like a, a His teleprompter is just like a, that predictive text. Oh, yeah. <laughs> app. Um, also, I'm normally pretty negative about movies, and to be honest, I had to cram a lot of these in on the end, because just throughout the year, I've been super busy, and I just watch what I have to watch for the podcast, and then I finally, just for the past two weeks, have just been cramming all these big movies, and I was dreading it, and I'm actually really happy. Some of these movies are now some of my favorite movies that I've ever seen now. Yay! So thank you, thank you, twenty twenty two. We'll get into what those are, Studio sixty six, and some movies were god awful. Studio sixty six. Um, Ronnie, what did you think about twenty twenty two? Oh, uh, this is my favorite podcast of the year because we usually just focus on terrible, terrible movies <laughs> and we have to grind mm. through. But I've been watching. Yeah. I've seen seventy movies this year. 70 new movies, so it was hard for me to kind of go through and pick my favorites, and I think I mostly stuck to favorites. There's a few ones in between there that are kind of stinkers that we'll talk about, but mostly pick some good ones. So these aren't this isn't our top 10 lists. We don't do top 10 lists, but we're picking movies that, that we could talk about, that we each said, hey, this is something I like, let's talk about this. There's tons of movies that I really can't say much. Like, for example, one of my favorite ones was everything everywhere all at once but everyone loves that movie so why bother talking about it it's everyone's yeah, seen it see it's it. really good but i can't say anything that hasn't been said about it before so we kind of pick movies that that are kind of up our alley that we kind of can argue about or just make fun of and kind of also enjoy so this is what it is this is our favorite one sorry it's late shane's been busy it's gonna be long i've been sick we put this back because i'm sick so we're already in 2023 but whatever we don't care we have some big things coming up it's gonna be an exciting year I'm excited. Shane, I uh, want to start us off with our first film. I would love to. The first film we're going to talk about, and I'm just going to preface it, might be my favorite film of the year. I have a couple that are really big, but this one just keeps... I keep thinking about it. 
So the movie that we're going to uh, talk about is A Journey to Valhul. Um, <laughs> uh, and a story about Omelette. Uh, <laughs> it's about a boy and a dog and his journey to kill his uncle and not fuck his mom. Uh the Northman by one of my favorite directors, and I think one of Ronnie's favorite, Robert Eggers. Fate has no mercy. Yeah. Uh, God, I love that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is a revenge film, plain and simple. It's yeah. a it's an old Nordic tale that's just being repurposed and made beautifully, perfectly, almost in a way of just like visual and absolute insanity. <laughs> it is so grounded, yet shot so artsy and beautiful, yet. Perfectly acted, dialogue is perfect. I I can't think of a really a negative to say about this film. I was just entranced the entire time, and it drew me in. Like, oh, you know, I have a passing knowledge of Vikings and like a little bit of like knowledge of Norse mythology, like very surface level. And I was never been really interested. After this, I immediately downloaded a book that I'm going to read on. Norse mythology because I was like, this is fucking tight. What's the book called? Uh, Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman. I don't know. I'm going to look at it. Oh well, he uh, Neil Gaiman, one of my favorite authors, does a really good book about North- Norse mythology. So check that out. But sorry, tangent. Oh, sure that. Yeah, Ronnie, you want to describe? Oh. Well, you kind of described it. It's a revenge flick, but um, for. The dumb people that are on here listening to us smart people talk about movies. Um, who is Robert Eggers? Robert Eggers is my favorite um, visual director. He made uh, The Witch, which is one of my favorite horror films, which you've never seen. Which I don't, no. I don't think you'll like it. It's it's slow. It's very slow, and it doesn't have much going on. I'm okay with slow. There just has to be something interesting in why it's slow you know and the maybe it's short so maybe you'll like it but that's one of my favorite movies it's my favorite of his movies still i think this is my second the lighthouse is one of your favorites my only problem with the lighthouse is it's i hate this saying i don't say it a lot it's more style over substance because it's very simple but i think that's just what he does he takes simple stories and elevates them to high art so i think i just need to understand that about him but he's my favorite director he just he spends all his money and time on the visuals and making beautiful films. And this is like the most manliest movie ever, given the art house treatment of visual Dude. storytelling and, and naked man bodies and and just But not in a gay way. <laughs> in the most masculine gay way possible. But it's it's violent, it's it's his most accessible film because the witch is hard to recommend to people and the lighthouse is just mm-hmm. Two guys farting and yelling at each other, but this one is—it's a—it's a—it's—it's it's basically Hamlet, but Hamlet was stolen from this. They have these old Norse tales because Shakespeare stole everything, so it's a very simple story. Yeah. But the visuals are 
beautiful. It's perfectly acted and executed. So it's, I saw it back in March and I still think about it all the time. All the visuals and just the, the men screaming. It's so masculine and uh, it's, it's, it's great. But it, it's, uh, there's only one scene I, I didn't really, I was like, that's a little too much for me. It was when Alexander Skarsgård, when he, uh, he's basically saying the plot, I can't kill my uncle in the, until it's moonlight. Otherwise, uh, that the sword won't work. But once again, it's yeah, but that's, it's Norse tale. That's part of that, yeah, mythology. yeah exactly. Yeah, it, there's some. There's always some weird, like even Greek mythology, any mythology story. There's some weird, like trope or something that makes it have to happen a certain way. Well, 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 all, well, all tragedies have to also be kind of like self, not reflective, but also kind of self-aware of like, like, oh, I'm talking. Like, like, there's always these long soliloquies, yeah. which is fine. I think I accepted it. The only other thing that kind of bothered me is. I don't believe that Nicole Kidman is his mother. <laughs> no. But once again, that's just a silly little thing. She acted thing. just fine. No, no, no. She's a, yeah. fa- famous, a, really a great good. actress, but but come on. <laughs> yeah. They look the and, same uh, age. <laughs> let's, let's just get this out of the way. My favorite oh. part of 2022, mm-hmm. the discovery of Anya Taylor-Johnson. Joy. Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, my God. She was... She is a wonderful actress and very, very good looking. Uh, yeah, so, uh, she's in. I discovered her in The Witch. She's great in The Witch. That's like her her claim to fame. And she did um, The Queen's Gambit. So she's in a lot of things. She's really great. But uh, it's those eyes. She's very piercing eyes. But yeah, The Northman. Yeah. I think is if not, it's I think it's it's none of our agree, agreed favorite. But it's up there for like a. I don't like action, but this is a perfect like action mythology adventure thing. It's great. I was. I'll just end with this. I saw you showed me the trailer and it's Robert Eggers is doing an action film. And I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) like I'm in. And then I got a little worried. I even told my wife, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch with you because I have a feeling no one's going to talk this entire time. It's just going to be grunts and like this weird like journey. Mm -hmm. And then I watched it and I was like, fuck, I don't know many people that wouldn't like it. It, it's a good, it's just a good story, a nice, simple, concise story, well acted, very visually beautiful, good pacing. I, I love the Northmen. Yeah, it's see it, and Skarsgård is jet. Yeah, it's enough art house and also enough accessible, just simple story of I'm gonna kill everything. It's hyper violent, but there's that's how that world was. It's very real in that sense. When you learn about the Vikings, you go, oh yeah, they're brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot escape my fate. Speaking of brutal brutality and gruesome and making you feel terrible about yourself, my next pick. <laughs> oh, is this the Bo Burnham one? No, no, no. Oh, thank God. You're, you're thinking of the uh, the revenge one from last year. Um, Promising oh, Young Woman. No, yeah, yeah. this is called Men. The words I have to say It's a beautiful house Would it just be you staying? Excuse me? Mrs. Mother? No Apple from the garden? Yeah, it was delicious No, 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 no Mustn't do that Forbidden fruit Ugh Shane didn't see this one So I'll talk about it briefly But um This is from Also one of my favorite directors Alex Garland Did Ex Machina Annihilation did one of my favorite TV shows, Devs, 
Um, I don't think Shane would like this one because it's not subtle, <laughs> but the movie is not supposed to be subtle. So basically it's about this woman who goes through this tragedy and decides to go to this cottage to get away from it. And then weird shit happens to her. This, um, this man keeps stalking her. And uh, what's interesting about it is the movie starts off really slow and subtle and quiet and just ramps up. And then it, it, it this is a controversial film because people say it's not subtle. It's stupid. It's, it's in your face. But I think it earns it because by the end of this film, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm going to say it and bleep it out. So, you know, and I get your reaction, but check it, okay. check out, check it out. But by the end, it's a man. And you see it all in graphic, gruesome detail. Just <laughs> so it's it's not subtle, but it, it earns it, and it's and it was worth it to watch this in the movie theater, and everyone just not knowing what the fuck is going on. Someone's like, "What the fuck?" And literally, like there's these people who were there, like teenagers, and like, these couples who had no idea what they were getting into. And to my defense, I didn't. Alex Garland makes some weird shit, but. I was like, bravo. And so I'm, I'm, I'm applauding it for being weird, but also it's beautifully visual. The actor uh, plays 12 versions of a different man, including a little boy, and they put his face on a boy's body. It's so unnerving. Huh. And it's it's an original idea with a, a not subtle theme of just mistrust of men in general. But uh, it's, it's well acted. It's well shot. But if you like dark, fucked up horror fantasy... Check out Men, Alex Garland. Not subtle, <laughs> but man, does he make striking visuals and uh, a great film. And the the soundtrack, um, there's an awesome scene where this you see in the trailer the girl does like this like kind of sound effect in this tunnel, and it echoes back to her. And then throughout the entire film, it gets louder and louder, like it goes into the score. So it's it's masterfully made, but it's not subtle, and it is an acquired taste. <laughs> I like Alex Garland. Um, see men. <laughs> what are you? So now moving on from a film that takes chances <laughs> and has creativity to Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> Elvis, baby. Elvis. A lot of people saying a lot of things. But in the end, you gotta listen to yourself. In that moment, Elvis the man was sacrificed, and Elvis the god was born. I'm gonna show you what the real Elvis is like tonight! I'm gonna sum up what Elvis is. Are you ready? Yep. Well, well hey there. Ah! Ah! <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh no, that's racist. <laughs> the end. Like it is the most spastic. I hate Baz Luhrmann. I hate him with a passion. He makes dog shit movies that are made for people with attention deficit disorder. Like, I guess that's insulting on so many levels. <laughs> I, I. I really like the actor. Oh, yeah. I really like the kid who played Elvis. He did a damn good job being Elvis. Tom Hanks, I'm kind of sick of Tom Hanks, but 
it wasn't bad, but the direction of this film was visual vomit. And every movie that Baz Luhrmann makes is visual vomit. <laughs> what did you think about Elvis? Oh, Elvis. I This is my favorite Baz Luhrmann film. That is not saying much because I, I don't care <laughs> for Baz Luhrmann very much. I did not want to see Elvis. I was like, I, do, I don't have a dislike of Elvis. I just don't have an interest in Elvis. But my uh, my wife wanted to see it because she loves musicals. My mom wanted to see it too. So I was like, okay, let's go see it. It's three hours, whatever. And I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. It's not the best movie of the year, but um, it's got a weird... I think my only my big problem besides the visuals, which I think it works for Elvis because Elvis is such a larger-than-life person. It's so over the top. It, it, it didn't bother me as much because he's just... He's a caricature, basically. Elvis has become just this stereotype of a caricature. But um, the only thing that kind of bothered me was, like, why is it through Tom Parker's eyes? I, I don't really get yeah. the purpose of it because he's not a reliable narrator. So then why are you telling us a story about Elvis from unreliable narrator because no one cares about mm-hmm. Tom Parker. So I get like, it's a unique perspective, but his perspective isn't trustworthy. So then the whole bi- biopic yeah. is kind of like, okay, what's the point? But I guess that's the whole thing is Baz Luhrmann can do what he wants. If you're, if your main character is the bad guy, but the, the, the redeeming thing is watching Austin Butler not be like a caricature of Elvis, but like becoming right. him. Like it's, He's enough like him, but enough of like his own take of him. It's, it's pretty perfect. Like it's just see it for that alone. He, yeah, he didn't feel like an Elvis impersonator. No, it's it, he, he felt like he he is him. Like he yeah, he felt depthful. It, it felt like a, a character actually. And, and like I don't give a shit about Elvis, but I felt bad watching him just make every wrong decision. So it's I was surprised how much I didn't hate it. But it's it's really well made. Um, but it's really just the actor. Just go go in to see Austin Butler really do a good job. But even like me, I don't give a fuck about Elvis. But I was impressed with just his performance and just how they didn't mind making him look like an idiot. <laughs> well, like it's funny because you look at it and you, it, I, I, I like Elvis, but I don't really care. And I, we don't really have those like Beatles and Elvis where people lost their goddamn minds you know like we we have so many superstars now yeah. it's just not a thing that kind of cult of person that like messiah figure yeah but like elvis was just a simple blues dude you know like that pe he played the music he loved he was friends with all these black artists and stuff so you like it was kind of cool to see that elvis i didn't know elvis personally mm-hmm. like i'm only going off what they told me he could have been a dickhead but from this, you get the idea that he was just a simple Southern boy that grew up around black artists and black kids and, like, developed that culture. And because of the racism of the day, he was able to bring that music forward and profit off of it. But he didn't have bad intent with that. He was just doing what he loved, you know? And then I love the dichotomy of that and ending with him just real life him total coke bloat just singing away on stage in vegas where he's trapped in proverbial purgatory <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's kind of like the whole like dr faust does deal with the devil type of thing where he, he gets what he wants yeah. but he's basically in hell so it's mm-hmm. it's it's tragic but it's not tragic in a way that i feel bad for elvis because he he did 
have that lucky privilege of just being. In I that would time. love to die of cocaine, <laughs> <laughs> like rich and fucking on the penthouse in Vegas. <laughs> That's gonna be just our, our tagline for the rest of the podcast. I would love to die from cocaine. <laughs> Donate to Wasted Potential Podcast today and help me die of cocaine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Elvis, you know if you're interested in this, and you probably enjoy it. Yeah. I think it's fine. I didn't hate it, but it's I'm never gonna watch it again. But it's, it's I recommend it for your grandma. <laughs> She'd love it. Yeah, grandmas, dads, moms, people who love it. Yeah. Who, yeah. You also just like musicals. There's enough musical and shablob going on to distract you from the real world. This ain't no nostalgia show. We're gonna do something different. I would love to die of cocaine. All right. And so we had Elvis, which was visual vomit. <laughs> now we're on to then our next film, which is script vomit. <laughs> so uh, our next film is Foghorn Leghorn's The Glass Onion. <laughs> Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Prompt, I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? Written by Ryan Cuck Johnson. <laughs> you know what's funny is... Um... My least favorite director on the fucking planet. I don't hate Ryan Johnson. I just... I'd watch a Tommy Wiseau glass on you before <laughs> I watch another goddamn Ryan Johnson film. I'm so done with him. I don't mind him. He he, he makes me laugh. He's just like, he, he tries things that I think he thinks are really high art, but they're, they're almost just parodies. And, and I've, I've learned to accept that if he's, he even like, Oh God, I'm jumping too far ahead of this. I could try to fly by throwing myself into the Grand Canyon, but no one's going to say like he had a vision and he went for it. I don't like, you know what I mean? This could be like, he's a dumb fuck that threw himself at the Grand Canyon. I don't think this movie fails. I think the point of this is to make fun of how silly mysteries are, but then you don't have a good movie. Do you Ryan? It's the same thing with like, doing a star Wars. It, it if you're if you're deconstructing Star Wars and showing how silly it all is, you don't have a good Star Wars movie, do you, Ryan? I think it just is Pick what it is. Pick your audience, you fuck. It almost uh. it almost like he's he's preaching to the high art people of like, isn't it silly how dumb these movies are? But I'm also gonna make them make a billion dollars off of them and keep making things like this. So it, it's almost like he thinks he's super smarter than he is. But for two and a half hours, I was entertained. But I remember watching The Glass Onion. I look over at my wife and I'm. I'm not going to lie. I was definitely inebriated. I'm laughing. And she goes, and she goes, what are you laughing at? I said, I said, this is really stupid, right? And she goes, <laughs> she goes, yeah, but, but I'm like, it's entertaining, but it's really stupid. <laughs> I looked over and my wife was asleep. <laughs> my wife, and I was like, damn you. My wife had just like no reaction on her face. Like, like sometimes you're laughing, but we're mostly talking through it. Kind of going like. Like, like, this is, like, stupid, and it's it's almost like winking at the audience, and I don't like things like that, personally, but whatever. I, well, I, premise is, um, uh, COVID is happening, so uh, Benoit Blanc oh, I is know. 
It was weird. That was, I thought that was weird that they, they fully... My wife was like, she's like, and my wife's not like some anti-vaxxer or anything, She, but she's like, are the masks weirding you out? Mm. Like, we're watching a film that's supposed to be like fun and escapism, and everyone's not acknowledging that they're masked the fuck up and social distancing. Like, it feels preachy and weird to the audience. It, it almost feels like they shot this during COVID, and then they had to, like, do this, but then they also didn't do it because then, for example, you have um, Kate Hudson is wearing it, but she's wearing, like, the, the bejeweled one that doesn't do anything, mm-hmm. right? Uh, then you have the others who are wearing it because to be the social distance. And you have Dave Bautista, who is basically a, not wearing a, it. <laughs> an even dumber Joe Rogan kind of character kind of in a lane. That's what I got yeah. from it, yeah. It's, it's like an over-the-top Rogan. It's, it's, it's not subtle at all, but he's, he's not even wearing it. But once again, he doesn't even acknowledge it, though. He's he's not saying you're a bunch of, like, liberal losers for wearing it. It's, it's weird that they're, they acknowledge it but don't acknowledge it. So I, I don't get it. Maybe it's just Ryan Johnson being silly. Like, oh, this COVID. This is fucking dumb. But maybe because they referenced that Benoit Blanc is bored in COVID, but why bother? <laughs> is that the only reason why Benoit Blanc would do this? But, but, but he was hired to not be like, he's bored, but he gets hired by that girl to, to help. So it doesn't make and sense. And she doesn't wear a mask when she meets him. No, it, it's all weird. So I think the movie is just weird. I didn't hate it, but I don't think it's as smart as it thinks. It's a, it's a silly escapist mystery. But when Benoit Blanc is literally saying, you're stupid for writing this. I'm like, Ryan Johnson wrote this. <laughs> I, I that is my favorite line. It's like it's just dumb. He's <laughs> just <laughs> dumb. It's or when he's sitting, he's like, I, I, I suck at dumb things. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Daniel Craig is always enjoyable and likable, but apparently he oh. got paid out the ass for this, like a bunch of money. Like, I think like ten million dollars to come back and do this. So so good for him, but. Hmm. But this this the the started with I think my mom recently saw Knives Out and she says why is Daniel Craig being a cartoon character and I said <laughs> I said I don't know I think that's the point is he's supposed to be like over the top and, and I like it no, but that's the point though is he's supposed to seem un, like mm-hmm. like you're supposed to under undermine him and not think about him too much and then like oh the silly accent and he goes by the way I'm also a genius I think it's the whole point is you're unassuming yeah. of his intelligence but that worked in Knives Out because. You don't know who Benoit Blanc is, but in this mm-hmm. movie, everyone's like, "Oh, he's Hercule Poirot. He's the he, he's Sherlock Holmes. He's the best detective of yeah. all time." But it's like, well, then he's gonna obviously solve uh, Edward um, Edward Norton's mystery immediately. I called that immediately. I was like, "Oh, he's gonna yeah. he's gonna call it in the first couple of seconds." So then we have no mystery for the first ninety minutes of this film. And yeah. finally, you're like, oh, now it's a mystery. It's like, ah. This, the whole thing was a mystery. This this was a waste of my time. So my issue with the glass onion, and I'm noticing that my issues aren't, they don't really align with everybody else's. So maybe I'm the problem. But um, <laughs> I already have a bias towards Daniel Craig. So I enjoyed every scene he's in yeah. just because he's, I like the over-the-top foghorn yeah, leghorn. And I will give Ryan Johnson this. He acknowledges how stupid that character is by being like, he's like, how did you find me? And she's like, I Googled world's greatest detective. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's just like, I'm okay with accepting that this is a alternate world where 
amateur or private detectives are renowned, you know, yeah. like the Pink Panther kind of thing. Like, okay, fine. Like, Benoit Blanc. And I kind of like the idea. I don't like it in movie form, but I think Benoit Blanc would be a more fun, like, Netflix, like, five-episode seri- five series of, like, every series. He's, like, a Scooby-Doo. Like, Benoit Blanc solves this crazy mystery here and there. Like, Glass Onion is too long. And so you, you just are fucking done. But if you shrink that down to 45 minutes of Benoit Blanc solving, like, the mystery of the day. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot more fun premise and people are more on board where every episode is a new mystery, new thing, and you can do some fun stuff. I think it'd be fun. And I feel like that's what he's going for with these movies, but it's too bloated and too long. And the mystery is so dumb. You need something. This had too many angles. Like knives out was fun because the angles were the family members. This, the angles are like, New energy source, the radio show, Elon Musk, uh, COVID, like a twin, like it's it's too much. It got away from like it's kind of like clue kind of idea with the family and knives out and became too much and too up its own ass. And that's why I think it's stupid. Is I think it, if he if he clutters the screen and bloats it, it seems more complex than it is but the whole point of him writing this is to show how silly mysteries are but then but then i don't care like like i think in theory it'd be cool to have a benoit blanc miniseries and just have like an hour long episodes and everyone's mm-hmm. different but then then that, that that's the opposite of what ryan johnson's trying to do he's trying to show how silly these agatha christie mysteries are they're really obvious and in your face so then what do you do now if when, when when he basically pulls all the punches out of a mystery movie and says how stupid they are, you can't take your silly detective anymore and do it because it's all too easy for him. Oh, hey, fuck you. Like, you're right. That's exactly what's wrong with this movie is he's trying to show how stupid mysteries are and then present a mystery. And you go, fuck you, guy. Yeah. Like. And but once again, so, so. I like mysteries a lot. I like reading a good mystery novel. And but I I have to you mm-hmm. you have to really separate like you said reality because private detectives right. aren't really a thing. There's gonna be things, yeah. So so like, and there's gonna be things that happen in the plot that have to happen. Yeah, because because you know. like this is literally and then there were none where it's all people invited to an island. They all start dying one by one. The premise of that is so ridiculous, but it's fun because. You're putting yourself in the shoes of a detective and trying to solve it, but in the Glass Onion, the mystery doesn't happen for an hour and a half. So you're just kind of hearing the ramblings of all these terribly knowing people who all make the right decision in the end, and you're like, I don't really care because you've shown how silly and dumb this all is to me. But what I'm, so but, fucking so, dumb. And like, and the next movie I'm gonna get to is another mystery. I'll go really briefly into it because you didn't see it. It's like I can suspend my disbelief for mysteries because it's a mystery. And it's supposed to be fun and a little bit lighthearted and silly. But when you just say, this is dumb, I'm going to make fun of it. And then you spent two and a half hours thanks to your money. So. Yeah. It, I, I'm going to give him a little what he should have done because I have no respect for Ryan Johnson's writing. <laughs> I like Benoit Blanc being like, oh, it was a crossbow in the corner. And then he like says it all before it happens. Like, that's kind of fun. And then Ed Norton's like, um, can we talk? Like, you know. I think 
someone should have killed Ed Norton, and it's oh my god, who killed Ed Norton? Yeah, yeah, that's that's like a simple, you know, mystery we've all seen. But you're here because you like the characters. This mm-hmm. is a this is supposed to be a character mystery. So if the mystery is kind of simple and and dumb, that's fine as long as you have fun getting to the end. Scooby Doo, you always fucking knew who it was gonna be, but you enjoyed following Scooby and the gang. Yeah, like. So fuck you, Ryan Johnson. Stop making movies or put me in your next one. You choose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, since we're on mysteries, really quickly, I saw one that you should see because it's got our favorite actor of all time, Sam Rockwell, in it. Mm. It's called See How They Run. It's a silly little mystery, and it's um, Sam Rockwell is an alcoholic detective, so you know, going with the cliches I'm there. In. He has a um, he's a uh, a new um, uh cadet basically helping him out uh played by sarah rose ronan or i don't, can't remember how to pronounce her name but she, she's like this naive silly she jumps to conclusions and then um uh, is a murder with a hollywood uh writer producer thing and it's um it's it's very in the style of Agatha christie mysteries where it's super over the top and silly the ending is kind of pretentious in a way but um it's fun because it's very old Hollywood. It's an old kind of throwback to old mysteries. It's like 90 minutes. It's silly. It's on HBO Max now. If you like silly mysteries, Sam Rockwell is always delightful. He's fun. He plays just like a, a cynical detective. It's it's a it's it's a classic mystery of like red herrings, who done it, silly back and forth, kind of tongue in cheek silliness. So that's a mystery I would recommend. I don't recommend The Glass Onion, but everyone saw The Glass Onion. No one saw. See how they run. So. Whatever. <laughs> I thought it was going to be about an alien moving the back. See? They're aliens. See how they run? <laughs> that was what I pictured. No, it's a silly little 90 minutes mystery who didn't throwback. It's it's tons of fun. It's got a, a whole like a ensemble. It's it's the glass onion at the glass onion wasn't made by a pretentious ass. Well, I'm going to see it at some point. <laughs> you should. You really should. Sam Rockwell is always worth the price of admission. It's fun. Oh, yeah. Okay, speaking of um, pretentious asses. <laughs> let's do it. To I am going to quote my friend Jack from my other podcast, since I have to plug it. Uh, his description of this movie was, this movie is way better than it has any business being. I said the exact same thing about this. It's uh, super funny. Like, And if you don't know, the movie we're talking about is... I got a need for speed. It's Top Gun Maverick. Usually I'd cut in the actual dialogue, but I'm just going to keep your own in there. I can't shake him. <laughs> what do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. It is a movie that if you, when they said they were going to do it, I rolled my eyes and said, I'm never going to see this fucking film. Then it came out and I said, I'm not going to see this fucking film. And everyone kept saying the same thing. It's pretty fucking good. And I went, okay, whatever. Everyone said Black Panther is the number one movie in movie history. I'm not fucking seeing this film. And then you Racist. saw it and you're like... <coughs> <laughs> and, then, 
And then you saw this film and were like, it's it's fun. And if Ronnie goes, it's fun, that means I'm going to fucking love it. Like, yeah, so that's fair. <laughs> my wife and I watched it, and I was like, God damn it. I didn't think you could recapture the fun that was the original Top Gun and do it in a way that feels new but familiar. And they did... God damn it, Tom Cruise. You did it, you son of a bitch. Miles Teller is great. All the actors. And I even thought they were going to get up their own ass with like, this is the tough chick. and da, da, da. But they all feel pretty real except for the one Iceman kind of guy. He's kind of a little too much. He's uh, he, he he reminds me of Val Kilmer, really, though. It's, 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 yeah. it's very almost like 80s kind of villain, like so obvious. But, but once again, by the mm-hmm. end, he's... He's just trying to be the best that he can be, so it's not as annoying as the Val Kilmer character, in my opinion, than the original one. It's 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 yeah. believable, but it is a little kind of hammy. It, it's kind of nice to revisit that old movie where not everything has to be like this fucking discussion on modern day politics. Like it is America versus not Russia, <laughs> or, and... or not North Korea, or not China. <laughs> yeah, definitely not communist nation. Insert here. And like a root, a group of the best of the best, but they're not a team. And through the power of friendship, they're gonna become a team. And Tom Cruise is just this badass that can't fail, but he's got demons, and that's his kind of arc. But it's so fucking, dude. When he steals a plane, <laughs> and I was like, "We're doing this," and it got to the end because they're like, "It can't be done." And John Hamm's a cocksucker who's just like, "Fuck you, I'm gonna." chop this mission at the knees why because i want to fail <laughs> I, I i don't get him but he's like it can't be done and we're gonna change these parameters and they're like sir there's someone on the radar and you're like oh no <laughs> it's bucket he stole a goddamn plane then and does this shit and shows them that the impossible is possible because he's tom cruise i was like he would have been thrown in prison immediately but <laughs> god damn it this is awesome it doesn't matter like, because it's it is what it is it knows what it is it's not even going to apologize for what it is it doesn't it, nope. it, doesn't it just keeps hammering home how awesome and you just get done and you're just like fuck yeah it's the right balance of pandering and just kind of fun and well, this movie should have made me roll my eyes, and I didn't. I don't care about <laughs> right. I don't care about Top Gun. I'm not a very patriotic person. I don't really care for Tom Cruise or any of the actors. <laughs> not a patriot. <laughs> but once again, this movie was fun, and I'm never going to see it again. I didn't want to see it. I took my grandpa to see it because he wanted to see it, and I was like, "This is very enjoyable. It was fun. I have nothing more yeah. to say about it besides it is the exact same movie as the first. This is nothing mm-hmm. in." And depthful and intense. It's just really well made filmmaking from a director I have never heard of before. And now I'm looking at his filmography. I'm like, what the fuck is this? He did a movie this year called Spiderhead that went to him directly to Netflix. It's with uh, Chris Hemsworth and also Miles Teller. It's really hmm. dumb. It's a fun premise, <laughs> but it's really, really stupid. I'm like, like this makes more sense. I think Tom Cruise <laughs> and others are very involved in the writing and yeah. filmmaking. It's but it's a it's an it's probably one of the the be- it's the best. Big budget kind of action film of the year, honestly. And it's funny, too, um, because it also demonstrates a little, I'll, I'll put a little bit of the uh, Hollywood sexism where yeah. Val Kilmer gets a very well-constructed send-off, right? Yeah. Because 
I I remember going into this, and I didn't I didn't know how I didn't know he makes an appearance. No, did I? I thought they just put his funny photo there. Yeah, right. Like this is the admiral with his bleached tips, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I'm like, but they show him, and I was like, how are they gonna address? He can't talk, right. and he was texting, and I was like, oh, they're just gonna do like texting the entire time, and it's like, come meet me, and I was like, oh, what are they gonna do? Mm-hmm. And like, I think it was really well done. Yeah. Like, they give him a good send-off. Val Kilmer gets to, like, act, but, like, within his means. And, like, he gets that, but the actress that played Tom Cruise's love interest mm. isn't allowed anywhere near the film because she's fat now. Yeah. <laughs> They're, uh... Yeah, that's the, that's the reality of, uh, of filmmaking. I mean... Yeah, Top Gun. If you didn't like the first Top Gun, then just don't. fuck off and don't don't go near this. I don't. I don't want you near it. I I don't. I think the original Top Gun is fine. It's nothing that interests me at all. It's it is of its time, and I don't. This movie. I should have hated this movie, and I didn't. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I, I everything about this I should have hated, but I didn't. It's it's the Tom Cruise effect. He just winks in, and you're like, you son of a bitch. Yeah, but Top Gun. Having any fun yet? All right. What's uh, what's our next film that we saw this year, Ronnie? Well, you didn't see this film this year, um, and it wouldn't be a uh, a top list of the year from me if I didn't bring in something that's terribly uncomfortable and miserable. So I'm gonna I'm gonna drop it right now. I saw this. It has been on my list since the beginning of the year, I think in January. Obviously not in theaters because no one's gonna show this foreign film, but it's on my wait, list. Wait, 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 wait. Let me let me guess. Yep. Real quick, what does it have? Uh, you won't be alone. It's called oh, You Won't that's... Be Alone. It's uh, it's uh, it's Northern European. This is Macedonian language, but I think it's like Swedish like that. So you can Ooh, guess. Oh, Swedish. So that's gonna have uncomfortable sex scene. Oh, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Uh, okay. The... Is there murder? Oh, there is so much murder. Hey, I'm getting good at this. Guess what else is in Could it? T- what else is in it? Mm-hmm. Um, Anal rape. <laughs> Not that graphic, but yeah, there's tons of rape. Okay. No. Uh, you won't be alone. <laughs> I can describe this as the witch meets... Under the Skin, that Scarlett Johansson movie from a few years ago. Where she was a naked alien that eats people? Yeah, and gets raped. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> two of my favorite films from the past like 10 years. They're very subtle, quiet films. They're very visual. You Won't Be Alone is Nightmare Fuel. It is about a young girl who's cursed by a witch. And her mother locks her away from the world for 16 years to hide her. So it's kind of like... An old school fairy tale, but it's it's done graphically and darkly. And then mm-hmm. the the witch comes and claims her prize, and the witch is just awful with her. So this girl's been locked away. So instead of being like a cute like Rapunzel, she's this naive, basically can't speak, can't do any. She's like a Neanderthal, like because she's it's it's authentic. Where like she doesn't understand the entire world. So this witch releases her from captivity and takes her out in the world. And then she's discovering the world and how awful and dark it is. It takes place in like um, 19th century Macedonia. So it's like colonial and it's awful. And then it's just this young girl 
she becomes a witch and kind of realizes like what her powers are and just how awful the world is. But what's interesting why I'm mentioning this is because the narrative it's is like kind of like a fucked up uh, unstoppable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Basically, it's 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 like all those like true crime things, but uh, awful, even more awful. And um, and uh, so there's two things I like about this. One, the the witch myth. The uh, it's the witch can take form of people, but they ask she has to kill them and then take out all their organs and put them inside her chest. So it's super oh. gruesome and really visceral and dark. And the other. Th- so it's really dark. And then the other reason why I like it is, is um, I don't like voiceover narration because I think it's pretentious and annoying. This movie has voiceover narration and it's pretentious and annoying, but what makes a difference is it's from the lead character and she doesn't understand language and doesn't understand the names for things. So it's like this broken artsy kind of dumb poetry that really fits her describing the world because she doesn't know what, anything is so it's a unique narrative it's really dark but it's from a perspective of someone naive who the witch thinks the world's evil and dark and this girl's trying to see the good in it so even though it's really dark and gruesome it has a positive kind of theme of like this is the world as it is you can look at it dark or you can look at it beautifully so this girl sees it beautifully even though the things happening to her are awful so it's a unique narrative that no one will like <laughs> besides me. <laughs> so it's on my top list of like uncomfortable gruesomeness, but it's, it's, it's unique. And once again, it takes a weird risk and it's gorgeous and beautiful and gruesome, but check out if you won't, if you like feel bad movies, you won't be alone. You won't be alone. Cause I like that kind of shit too. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Our next film, after Ronnie's rape porn, is another Francis McDonough film about his existential fear of boredom. Martin McDonough. Whatever. That guy. <laughs> uh, it's called Banshees of Insurin. Sheeran. Insurin. Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. The Banshees of Ed Sheeran. <laughs> yeah, this is the Banshees of Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. Well, you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. Did you like me yesterday? Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. But before we give our opinions, let's try to recap it because this one we should spend some time on. Not too much time, but some time on. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to unpack. Um, it is about Ronnie and I's relationship when we're in our 60s, <laughs> where Ronnie is going to threaten to mutilate himself if I say another goddamn word to him. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, this film is about an island. An island, right? Off yeah. of Ireland? Yeah, yeah. Um, that is population of, like, 15 people. <laughs> like, yeah. um, Colin Farrell, a, a very simple man, very simple and friendly man. I'm not dull. His sister. He's not dull. He's not dull. <laughs> He's not dull. <laughs> uh, 
it has a best friend who is Brendan Gleeson, and they have been drinking buddies presumably for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. But they do the same thing every day. At 2 o'clock, he goes and picks him up from his house. They walk to the pub. They get pissed drunk and go home. Rinse, dry, repeat. One day, Colin Farrell goes to the house, receives no answer, can't find him, which is shows Colin Farrell shows that this is very odd. And he goes to the pub. He's not there. And we're trying to figure out what's going on. Um, he then sees Brendan Gleeson, who promptly ignores him. We go on through kind of witty exchange that Brendan Gleeson does not want to talk to his best friend any longer, period. He doesn't want him to ever speak to him again. And there's been no reason why, no reason given. So Colin Farrell's trying to understand why his best friend just up and doesn't want to talk to him anymore. Um, gets to the point where Colin Farrell is obviously not listening to him and keeps trying to figure out what's wrong with him. Um, and Brendan Gleeson says, I will chop off one of my fingers every single time you talk to me. <laughs> this is funny and dark, and it has big implications because Brendan Gleeson is a very good fiddle player. And understandably, if he keeps doing this, then he won't be able to play his fiddle any longer either. So that's how important this is to him. It turns into kind of like this discussion on death and like conflict. Yeah. Feeling as if our life has meaning and like how important the people around you are. Loneliness, purpose. It's all these beautifully deep kind of mature themes. And it ends with. I'm just going to bleep all that out because you ruined the movie. (laughs) It's it. This film should be incredibly boring and a pain to watch. Yep. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson are just so damn good together. And Martin McDonough has such a good way at making simple dialogue intriguing and funny. And it is just so much fun. And the sister, Colin Farrell's sister, is really good. Mm -hmm. How she's the only sane one on this island. (laughs) Like, Brendan Gleeson thinks he's sane, but he's literally chopping his fingers off so someone won't talk to him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like... And thinks himself the next Mozart, which I, and she is like the only sane person and she sprints away and just says, fuck all you. I can't take this anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And I like that, how all these people are so simple and they think that they're all normal and they're actually all crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you, you spoiled it. I'm going to bleep out the ending there. So because we didn't give them a spoiler warning, warning, but you're basically ruining the film here. But, um, uh, here, do you want to go into spoilers from from now on then and, and kind of dive into this and what you th- like why you like this movie and like the themes of it or just kind of keep it kind of vague? Well, we'll just stick to the themes. Okay. Well, we, we won't spoil too much. Um this is like for our my, five listeners. This is like my favorite movie of the year, I think. It's tied with me for The Northman. Yeah. I really liked The Northman, but I like these movies for different reasons. Yeah, and I wanted to watch this immediately afterwards again because I got through the plot and I wanted to just get back into this, the characters and the themes again, because I like Irish literature. I'm a big fan of James Joyce and um, a lot of that time period, the, the Irish civil war 
is a very interesting history to me. Like of just, and it ties into the whole plot of this. It, it's like the, mm-hmm. it's always in the background. It's there. And they even say that, cause it's like, if it's not obvious, they make it obvious by saying, and eh, I don't know who's fighting. I don't know who's dying. I don't know why they're fighting. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And that perfectly ties into this story of like, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter why they have a conflict because the conflict, like most of our conflicts and problems in our life, it doesn't matter what started it. The problem is we're so so stubborn and selfish that we just keep pushing it to a point where we can't just forgive each other. We just got to up the <laughs> ante. end up having no fingers. You ha- and you have nothing <laughs> left. So so a lot of Irish literature, like in Joyce and like uh, just torn between this patriotism to your homeland, but also a, a hatred of your own people because they're so <laughs> stubborn and can't just kind of move on. So you have the sister who's the only sane one who's able to get away from all of this, but she's like torn because her dumb brother is left on this island to die. She knows if she leaves, this is going to dissolve into chaos, but she doesn't want to stay <laughs> and live in this, in this world. She'd yeah. prefer to go to an actual war. <laughs> to a war zone <laughs> than to stick around with like this because you you think this island would be like a like a refuge from the misery but it's just as miserable and empty and sad and it sounds like we're describing yeah. a a sad movie and it is but the dialogue is so funny and the scenery is so beautiful it's well shot and it's so self-reflective of our at least of, i think of myself of just how i view conflict and anger and just frustration and stubbornness i'm like yeah, I totally and I, I don't I sympathize. I understand these characters, but it's a beautifully dark film. But that's us. I think you and I like dark comedies. I think Martin McDonough it like makes films. I feel like for us because we we have in Bruges oh, yeah. where we can like laugh our asses up, but also feel really sad. And then did mm. you ever see Three Billboards out of Ebb, Missouri? I never saw that. You should see that one next. That's it's also that one's really dark too. It, it also really pushes you on characters of like, oh, Sam Rockwell's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I loved it. I I love this just like this constant feeling of of loneliness. But then it has this ambiguous morality where mm-hmm. McDonough doesn't judge any of the characters. It just they are who they are. They're all likable irredeemable and just miserable so you kind of just feel this sympathy for them but they choose a miserable miserable life and <laughs> they don't know anything yeah. better it's it's funny because you're sitting here and you see the solution to everyone's problem which is to just stop being an asshole mm-hmm. but everyone refuses to accept reality yeah like colin farrell is dumb a nice guy yeah but he's dull i'm not dull <laughs> but um brendan gleason thinks way higher of himself yeah than what is true because he's like comparing himself to mozart and all mm-hmm. these things and it, everyone's like no one's gonna fucking hear your goddamn fiddle song mm-hmm. like but he refuses he's just got it in his mind that the the reason that no one appreciates who he is is because of his friend. They all don't realize that the reason their life is boring is because there's 15 people more. There's more sheep on this island than there are people. Yeah, and like that is their problem. Well, it's, but they're all creating this conflict. Yeah, and and they're all escalating because Colin Farrell's a nice guy until he's not because mm-hmm. he's pushed to a point where he no longer 
sees a purpose in being kind because he thinks his friend will like someone who's mean. And then Brennan mm-hmm. Gleason seems like a selfish asshole. But there's that scene where he picks up Colin Farrell and he wants right. to reconnect with him. But then he's being a selfish asshole and then pushes him back away because yeah. you can have your cake and eat it too. But he's he's blaming everyone else for his problems. It's it's a perfect mm-hmm. kind of connection to the Irish Civil War of blaming this side over this side and the violence that the the, the nonsensical endless violence that is happening on this island is because (laughs) two sides just can't come to agreement about something super silly. So, so it's, it's beautifully perfect and done and it's so fucking miserable, but but it's, (laughs) but still you laugh at it. And by the end, you, you kind of have hope for them, but you also know that like, like the Irish civil war, it's going to keep going and going this misery in this island because these people are just never going to (laughs) end. So, I I love this film. I, I it's mm-hmm. it's artsy and pretentious, but man, is it funny! And uh, I just want to constantly say, um, I'm gonna keep my donkey inside while I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> keep my donkey inside. Oh God, I love this film. Yeah, it's it's excellent. It's um, see this is this like films like this is what gives me hope for like I don't need to go see the next tentpole movie. I don't need to see Black Adam or Black Panther or whatever Marvel crap or Star Wars crap is being dumped on it. Cause I will look forward to the next Martin McDonough film or the, the next weird Swedish like rape film. Uh, there's always <laughs> things out there for me. <laughs> I will say that I'm becoming more and more of a fan of the subscription service. I know the problem with it is it's all spread out and you got to have 18 subscriptions in order to access it all. But it means that there's more when there's just a certain amount of cash coming in then there's less fear of something being a flop because you're going to get money regardless. Like the Northman, I think was in theaters. I knew it was not going to perform well monetarily. Oh yeah, it didn't. But, but the more that these are more on subscription services, the more I feel like we can keep these films alive and being supported. And the more that there's going to be a willingness to do it because the income is fixed. Mm Mm-hmm. So kill the movies, kill movie theaters, kill movie theaters. <laughs> or you can be like me and like my wife and I look for small artsy films in big theaters and give them our $10 and say, here, some of us give a shit about this. Like, like, like there's a movie I saw this year called The Watcher. It's a really simple movie. It's like a, a woman sees something scary across the, across the way in a window. It's super simple, but it's really well made. Here's my $10. I appreciate that film or I'll rent it for 20 bucks on Amazon prime. Whatever. I have the option of giving them my money still. I have not paid over $6 for any of these. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'll, um, I'll give you $10 if it's good, but I'm not, I'm, I, I pay $10 a month for Disney plus. Fuck it. I have to like do my tax write off to these artsy, sad films to, to, just to feel can, good about can myself. Can we write it off as charity? It should be at this point. <laughs> Let's just call it quits. We won't call it quits. We call it the start. My two favorite horror films of the year, speaking of artsy bullshit, are X and Pearl. I'll put them together because X came out. Oh! Sorry. I had a DMX (laughs) reference there. DM. Don't give it to you. R.I.P. Oh, speaking of which, sex. That's why it's called X. Um... Oh. It came out in the March, I think X did. I wanted to see it because I was like, this looks fucked up. And then Pearl is a prequel sequel to it. I think Pearl is a 
a more artsy, better made film, while X is a kind of more of a slasher kind of film. But X is simple. Um, <clears throat> these uh, porno porn stars go make a, a porno in this barn. They rent this barn from this old couple who's creepy. And they're making this sleazy sex film. And then uh, it all turns to shit because the, the old people have sexual hangups. It's all about sexuality and expression. It all takes place in like, um, I think in the 60s or 70s, kind of like with like this, this right, like television. And obviously like the porn is now becoming a thing. And then the, uh, the Bible belts pushing back on it. So these filmmakers are making their sleazy sexing in the Bible belts. Mm-hmm. And they all get killed and murdered, and it's gross and uncomfortable, and it's all about repressed sexuality. It'll make you uncomfortable. Um, has Mia Goth in it? She's, I think, she's married or dating Shia LaBeouf, your boyfriend, and she has a weird. F- well, I mean, we, we we've we've had some disagreements yeah. as of lately. <laughs> Started hitting people. Yeah, but uh, but Mia Goth is uh is brilliant, and she kind of helped make the sequel Pearl, but she. She's creepy and has a weird face to her, but it's she's very enigmatic and engaging, and she's an excellent actress. So X is more of a classic kind of slasher, make you feel uncomfortable and gross, but it's done artsy-fartsy, so it's up my own ass and it's up my alley. And then Pearl is all Mia Gosh. She, she um, takes one of the characters in X and goes back uh, to the 1920s, during like the Spanish flu, so it's a weird kind of COVID connection there, and it shows the backstory to one of the characters in X of why she's like this. So you you feel s- sympathy, but you also don't because she's out of her fucking mind. But uh, that one's like a character study, and that one's slower and artsy fartsy until it's just a gruesome slasher. But these are two of my favorite films. They're excellently acted, excellently done. So if you like horror, if you like slasher, X is your jam. If you like artsy fartsy. Character Studies, X's, uh, sorry, Pearl is your jam. I love those films. I'm going to rewatch them for sure. But those are two of my favorites of the year. And watching X in a movie theater was priceless. Watching people, <laughs> watching what happens. Like, because it's, it's progressively just gets more uncomfortable and to a point where you see old people banging. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy, uncomfortable old people sex made me laugh uncontrollably. And people are like, what the fuck? fuck is this i'm like yay <laughs> so it's shocking but it's also really well done and beautiful so i loved those films so we're on a a roll of fucked up weird shit for me this year loved it all oh no stepbrother <laughs> i seem to have gotten caught in my chair <laughs> hey there's a reason why people are fucked up like that and uh it's it's kind of reflexive of the whole porn industry and sexuality of like do one thing you're also gonna get punished for it in the end and all this no, no one's free of their sexual hangups, and they're, and they're being punished for it. <laughs> it's fun. Shane, let's dive into some television. Television. We both watched um, Guillermo del Toro's yeah. The Cabinet of Curiosities. Picture your mind as a cabinet. Where you lock up your darkest thoughts and deepest fears. What would happen if you opened that cabinet for the world to see? We are about to find out. Yeah. Um, this came out, what, around like Halloween-ish? Yeah, in October for the spooky season. Yeah. 
Um, and Guillermo del Toro is so fun to see on screen. He's so fat <laughs> with his big glasses, and he has this accent. And he's like, "We are going to go to the cabinet of mysteries." I'm like, "Don't eat it, Guillermo." <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the premise where Guillermo has his love, and he found um, some of the directors are like lower level directors or smaller getting started. Yeah. Some of them weren't. I feel like a couple were big directors, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's it, it's kind of a give and take of just giving kind of these 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 horror directors giving them kind of the carte blanche to make a little short story. It, and it's perfect for Netflix. I loved the idea, and it it turned out to be great. I would say there was only two. I think uh, I, what is there like six stories or something like that. There's eight. Eight. Um, two of them. I. We can discuss it. They're not like a huge swing and a miss. They're just not as good as the others. Yeah, they're they're all well made. I think except for one of them, I really didn't like. But yeah. for the most part, most of them are are pretty great. And and but what I like about it is it's it's diverse enough horror filmmaking. So like, there's some slasher. There's some monster. There's some atmospheric emotional kind of horror so you 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 really can like maybe you don't like this one but it's 45 minutes and the next one's gonna be maybe more up your alley yeah and i think there was kind of like a theme given by guillermo where all there has to be is a monster yeah like (laughs) that's that's it like and a theme i'm sure he gave them like the theme and a monster and then the director or whoever was in charge of it wrote their thing and then did it and some kind of object because because we all kind of go around a a visual kind of starting point like they're not all about the visual per se or the object but it, they all kind of revolve around because it's, it's a cabinet of curiosity so he opens up the cabinet and there you pull something mm-hmm. out and says oh this is a key or, yeah or he might have like gave him an object and a monster and they created the story around that um which one was your favorite and which one was your least favorite um there's two there's a lot actually there's like three of them i really liked um Okay, I'm just gonna go with one. Uh, the the last one, the murmuring about the couple, who uh, who, who oh, are, are the bird crow, watchers, the bird watchers. Yeah, yeah. So so that was directed by uh, I think Jennifer Kent is her name. She did the Baba Duke and um, the Black and Blackbird. I think it's what it's called. Two of my like mm-hmm. really dark kind of horror films. So this one's slow. This is my style, kind of atmospheric. It's thematic. It's about loss. It's it's simple, but it's really well made. It's about a couple kind of dealing with loss and like. Just like they're not giving each other time to mourn, and then you're seeing things, and it's all visual about like freedom of birds and kind of letting go of your loss. So it's it's super slow and subtle, and I like it. It's it's kind of my 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 jam of horror. Um, and then I also love the viewing. That's uh, the Panos Cosmatos one, where it's it kind of ends. Oh, that's the '70s kind of yes, with like the wealthy yes! people. That was my favorite. Yeah. So go ahead. You can describe the viewing then. This one is like, what is it? Like four or five people who yeah. are experts or something in one field. Like there's an author. There's a music writer who's played by Eric Andre. Yeah. Um, is it like a, like there's, a scientist? Some kind of like yeah, scientist. And, and some kind of arts guy. They're all invited. And yeah, they all get this kind of cryptic invitation to this super mansion run by this super billionaire kind of guy kind of guy yeah 
And they get there and they do like the world's best drugs and they drink mm-hmm. the world's best drinks. And like, it's like alien meets like, it's got like this super synth track that's yeah. awesome. Panos and it's Co- super retro. Yeah, Panos Cosmatos is just known for his kind of retro synthy kind of atmospheric weird like the whole time you're watching this you're like 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 what's this getting to it's super pretentious it's super it's perfect because it plays into the plot it's these five pretentious people doing drugs talking these lofty ideas and then it ends with this a monster movie a goo monster yeah a a goo (laughs) monster and it's kind of disappointing but that's that's the whole point it's it it kind of just pulls the rug underneath you and says Mm -hmm. fuck these people this is what it is. It's kind of now. Now it's a a, a a literal brain melting kind of like ending, like Indiana Jones in the last arc. Type it of does thing. feel a little bit like he, you enjoy the whole thing. You're like, oh, and there's a monster. But, um, but that's kind but, of the point, though. It's it's pulling yeah. the, the the it's pulling the air out of these people and just how stupid and silly their conversations are. Yeah, and how pointless it all is. Yeah, um, that was a good one. My least favorite, and you might agree with me, is the one with Ron Weasley. Uh, Dreams in the Witch House. God. Yeah, I think I like the premise, but this is directed by the director of Twilight. So it's uh. it, it feels cheaper, and it's it, it feels very plotty. And the other ones mm-hmm. I don't like as much, uh, I like more or less plotty and more kind of character and atmospheric kind of driven. This one's very plotty. It feels like a, like a kind of Harry Potter. It has a Ron Weasley in it. But it feels more like, oh, there's a witch, and there's like this this whole backstory, and you gotta gotta go and follow this, and it feels very fantasy. It's it doesn't fit the rest of them as much. Yeah, it, it's, it feels juvenile. And it could have he, I think, uh, what would have fixed it at least for me is change the relationship to not be his twin sister because it's really weird. Yeah, um, I think I think making it his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. would have given it a little more stakes. And a little bit more of a love connection, like you know, love bridging the gap kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is cheesy. But when you're talking about an alternate dimension that's run by a witch, cheesy is okay. And also, and like, like, a, <laughs> like a one-hour mini episode, it's yeah. You can forgive some cheese because you know the visuals mm-hmm. and the storytelling is more interesting. But that one's lame. You liked, we both liked it. But I think you liked it more. Was the Pikmin's model, which is the art student one? Yes, that was a good one. That made me really want to... There was a lot of uh, Lovecraftian stuff. Yeah. But just the ending of it was like the cherry on top of this thing. Like, they could have ended it poorly, but they ended it with that. And I was like, my dear God. They go really fucking dark. My only problem with it was yeah. I was like, what's the point of this? It's it's visually perfect. It's acted really well. And it's just really uncomfortable. I just didn't get what the, the point... There was no point. Just these pictures mm-hmm. drawn by this wizard, basically... Um, fuck you up and yeah. you fucked up shit because of it. Yeah. Well, I feel like the other stories kind of had more of a theme to it. This one didn't, which is mm-hmm. fine. Once again, that's fine. They're yeah. all different. They're all that I'd be a little different. So I like that one. I liked it a lot. Visually it's, it's really uncomfortable, man. It's, it, it goes off the deep into darkness. Um, yeah. The, last, the storage one was good. That one's good. The autopsy. I love that one. Oh, that one was really good. Cause that's like this. This mental ch- like chess game between this alien and this doctor. Yeah, yeah it, it reminded me of the Dreamcatcher, but done really well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we're like, like this body, parasite body like, horror kind mm-hmm. of uncomfortable, where it's like um, F. Murray Abraham, this old guy is kind of 
like you said, chess game with this alien thing. It's really good. It's and it's really gruesome and gross. And I like that one a lot. That was a really good one. My wife did not like that one. It's not gory for gory's sake. Like there's meaning behind it. Like it's oh, yeah. to show that this guy is li- like sacrificing everything to beat this alien. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I yeah. think overall they they were most of them are really great and they're short enough where you can like watch one a night and kind of okay cool this is a cool like for the horror season that worked out really well I loved them I, I look for, hopefully yeah. they make a second season be interesting to yeah. see it's a, it's a good premise to go forward and it gives directors that may have been otherwise not as well known a chance mm-hmm. to have Guillermo del Toro's clout bring their art forward yeah I think the only problem is like the for example like the first one the lot one I liked it until like the dumb monster was running around it got kind of there's a little too much showy of the monster because I think that for horror you need less showy because then it gets kind of silly. It's kind of I like, liked it. Yeah, it's a, it's 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 good, but I think the less you show of a monster, the better. It's kind of like with the um, the viewing towards the end, like that drippy monster kind of slowly running through. It doesn't look bad, but it's it almost looks a little more silly and funny. Like if, if you linger on horror too long, the 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 veil lifts <laughs> and you kind of go, like, Oh, this is kind of silly looking, but oh, yeah. I loved, I loved most of them for the, the extent. Um, since we're on Guillermo del Toro, I watched yep. his Pinocchio on Netflix. I did not. Um, I don't think it's for you. I don't really care about Pinocchio. I really loved it. It's really fucking dark. So it's like taking the original Pinocchio story and Guillermo del Toro is like, Hey, we're not going to Disneyfy this at all. We're going to keep it dark and, mature and like have these themes that like i don't think kids would like this at all but maybe weirdo adults like me would really like it but i liked it stop motion so it's kind of janky but it um there's a lot of fun voice actors and um it's really dark so if if <laughs> if you want a mature fairy tale it's pg still but <laughs> like a haunting kind of a kid. grim's tale a lot of death and sadness and kind of learning about the but it is the importance of life it's the Grimm's fairy tale of like it's dark but there's a little didactic message to tell you at the end and it's basically oh enjoy life like oh that's cool but also everyone died (laughs) (laughs) it's delightful okay shame bore me with your when you wish upon a star (laughs) (laughs) I want to tell you a story it's a story you may think you know, but you don't. This is one of those nightmare specials, the kind you never get to the bottom of. Okay, Shane, tell us about your boring uh, military TV shows, and I'll won't talk for a minute. Oh, um, so I discovered the show, and I'm not the only one to discovered it alone. Um, uh, Netflix got like season six or something. The premise is they take professional survivalists and put them on Vancouver Island or some shithole, and they're not they're allowed to bring like ten items, and it's they survive until the last one's left, and at any time they can tap out, right? Oh, so it's like naked and afraid. Okay, yeah, very naked and afraid. Us, but these are professionals. Like, Mm -hmm. so most people aren't doing something super dumb. They're like doing what. It makes sense, which is kind of nice. And I could sum it up in this. Hey, bear. Hey. 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 Hey, bear. Hey, no. No bear. Bad bear. Um, And God, I'm fucking hungry. <laughs> and 
Day 60. Talking to myself. <laughs> God, I'm fucking hungry. Um, it's, it's fun. They do it in a way, and they, like, obviously the producers church it up mm-hmm. and do stuff like that, but as far as survival shows go, it's rather addicting. There's some fun characters uh, alone. I think, we, I think we watched a couple episodes, and... I like to eat Cheetos and watch the TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love to stuff my fat fucking face and be like, why are you fishing? Mm. You know, that's not very smart. You know what I would have done? Mm. <laughs> honey, more chocolate milk, please. <laughs> honey, honey, he's, he hasn't eaten in three days and he's bitching about food again. God, I'm hungry. Mm. Mm. <laughs> like, it's so fun to just couch quarterback this thing yep. and you're like shut the fuck up i've heard you bitch forever and it's like day nine no food and you're like oh let me guess you're hungry shut up <laughs> i could do that <laughs> no problem yeah, I, I could i could oh it's it's a total thing where you're like I, I could i could do better than that but then you go hungry for a day you fast for a day and you're like i'm gonna die <laughs> right so uh, alone perfect couch quarterback and you will not stop saying hey bear (laughs) hey bear can we just clip that have fun with that hey bear hey hey bear i love this lifestyle living by the earth and the land the pride and the fulfillment when things work when your shelter works when your boat works when your boat drill works it gives you so much joy Holy cow. There's a grease walking down the beach. Hey, bear. Hey, bear. Hey. He hasn't even stopped. He's still walking this way. Hey, bear. No. Can't believe I'm naked and a bear's freaking right there. I'm going to have to fire some bangers. Nothing. It's not good. Hey, bear. No. Man, I just got my boat done, and I don't want him to shred it. Hey, bear. No. No. Then the other military one I watched, Jack Ryan season three, which is John Krasinski staring at things. He, I, I used to like John Krasinski. Now I think he's a shit actor. Like he's so one note. He's and playing Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan has no depth. I, fuck you. He I'm has so no depth. I am so sick of the fucking... <laughs> Clancy movies. Fuck. No one knows how to do Clancy. Because if you did Clancy, you wouldn't like foreigners. And, you like... <laughs> and like, the, like, Tom Clancy's characters are awesome. But yes, his stories are like military porn and stuff. But the problem is Michael Bay always attaches himself to these things. So they, they lose their their draw and season three is not as bad as season two season two was dog shit season three is um can i guess rabbit is it's rabbit shit 
where it's like <laughs> you don't guess? notice it until you really look. Is... Oh, yeah. Gu- guess what the plot of season three is. Jack Ryan has to turn his back on the CIA because the CIA doesn't want him to go further than he has to go. So then he has to go behind the enemy lines. And, every- and then the CIA is chasing him because Jack Ryan knows it's best for America. You watched Jack the trailer, didn't Ryan. you? No, I didn't. <laughs> you son of a bitch. That just um, guessed. Am I right? Get. Guess what he's trying to stop? Uh, nuclear war from North Korea. God damn it! <laughs> oh, really? Yes! Oh, my God, I'm a genius. Or he I'm... gets burned by the CIA hunting a Russian arms dealer who's got a nuke. <laughs> um, and it turns out that it's like this weird, like, they definitely wrote it. This is post-Ukraine, like, war starting. So, like, there's this weird, like, NATO's going to get drawn in and Russia's the bad guy and... There's a rogue faction in the Russian government that wants to nuke something because of something. Obviously, Jack Ryan stops it. We all save the day. Huzzah, yay, U.S. military um, and CIA who killed Kennedy. Um, like, it's it's stupid, but this one's not as bad. It's actually kind of fun. It's, it's a good by-the-numbers Tom Clancy adaptation. But yeah, I don't like John Krasinski. I really liked all the other people in it. Hated him. Uh, Jack, Jack Ryan. Just, I've given up. I, I grew up such a Tom Clancy fan. And every time they're like, we're going to make a Tom Clancy. And I'm like, yay. And then I watch it. And I was like, it's like you didn't even read the fucking book. Like, like, what is it missing? Like, honestly, like, what is it, besides it's like, you know, ethnocentricism, like, what is it really it's missing? It's missing J- John Clark. Because John Clark is a badass jack ryan isn't a badass jack ryan is smart he hunts things down i mean he's kind of a badass but like john clark is missing and whenever they introduce john clark they make him michael b jordan and you're like god fucking damn it like no that's not who john clark is but is you okay. racist no idris elba could be john clark not michael b jordan is he too young and beautiful yeah I don't know. You're just racist. It's fine. It's okay. Yeah, that's that's probably it. <laughs> um, the only Jack Ryan movies I've seen are Hunt for Red October and The Sum of that's All Fears. That's a good Fears. one. But Sum of All Fears is okay. I, I know liked, a new uh, that goes off at a football stadium. It's all I remember. And Ben yeah. Affleck is Jack Ryan. Okay, no. Patriot thanks. Games is good. I didn't see that one. Um, Clear and Present Danger is good. Even nope. although Willem Dafoe is not my John Clark either. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Hashtag not my John Clark. I was a Navy SEAL. <laughs> oh my god. Um, um. Yeah. I. I'm just. I. I always go in. Um, I'm gonna watch every fucking Clancy adaptation because it's just. I keep hoping, but. I'm not holding my breath anymore. The Terminal List did a Clancy film better than Clancy films ever did. That, so I didn't finish it, but from like watching what I had to watch to edit your podcast, like I got taken down by goddamn YouTube. Uh, Fuck you, YouTube! That was a very entertaining show. Yeah, it was good. So, speaking of disappointment and things you love, I'll go to mine really quick. The Sandman. Your waking world is shaped by dreams. Dreams and nightmares that I create and which I must control. I'm a huge... Mr. Sandman. 
So uh, it's my favorite author of all time is Neil Gaiman, and uh, he and I think it's Gary Keith wrote some of my favorite graphic novels of the Sandman graphic novels. They're amazing. They're like perfect novels of mythology and horror, fantasy, and just uh, action, all this stuff. They're amazing. He's an amazing author. And they've been talking about for years of making this into a movie. And then they said, oh, TV show. And then they said, Netflix is going to make it into a TV show. I was like, oh, no. No. The so, people that killed The Witcher and made Henry Cavill quit movies? Um. <laughs> So I knew it's just I just can't watch anything that's I love being made into a film or an adaptation because I'm usually good at separating the two, but I just get my hopes up. So it's not terrible. It's just I think this is a hard show to do because it's called The Sandman, but it's not about The Sandman. It's about The Sandman's boring as shit. He's he's a boring asshole. That, that he learns to be human because all the characters he interacts with, he's an asshole god, basically. He's an asshole god mm-hmm. who gives up on everything in humanity, and he's learning his humanity again. So all the little characters are what make it interesting in the story plots and interesting because he's an asshole. And in this one, I guess they make him an asshole, but they picked Tom Sturridge, which I don't know who he's from, but he plays Edward from Twilight. He plays a moody, mm-hmm. emo like Sandman and I think that works in a comic book but watching a grown ass man act like an emo like my comic romance character is laughably <laughs> bad so I don't think taking these ridiculous huge fantasy things and trying to con- truncate it into hour long episodes it doesn't really work so whatever the best episodes honestly are um I think they release like nine and then they release a special episode which is the third book it takes two of my favorite stories from the third book and one of them is animated which works because it's about cats because god for you can't have cats like live action because you have the movie cats and it'll look like dog <laughs> shit and it also takes this really really dark dark story and makes it and they have nothing to do with the sandman themselves and that's why it's so much so good because the Sandman's the most boring part of the Sandman trilogy and like the the, the the whole series. So those two episodes are really good, but anything that revolves around him, he's like boring in one note. So man. Eh, I recommend you watch I recommend you read the series. It's my favorite graphic novel series of all time. It's it's gorgeous, it's amazing, it's thematic, but TV shows, whatever. If you like it, cool. People get really mad because it's really, you know, like woke and like um what do you call it inclusive and that shit does not bother me like i don't care like like if you care about the color of a character or their sexuality i think you're missing the bigger point i think the bigger point is it looks like dog shit and it's and they take the the biggest like themes and and they just make them stupid (laughs) so whatever that shit doesn't bother me what bothers me is you take these really cool ideas and make them stupid right um it's kind of like my issue with um We'll talk about Netflix here in a second. Um, my issue with uh, James Bond, where they had the female 007, and I, I really, really liked her. Mm-hmm. I was like, the issue isn't that James Bond has a female counterpart he's competing with. The problem is, is you fucked up James Bond. Like, <laughs> you, like, you know, anyone, the, the, the fact that she's there is not the issue. That's actually a fun. I like the idea. Yep. The issue is you obviously don't like James Bond, so the rest of the movie is the problem. Like, 
um, Netflix. Netflix. This is this is the year that Netflix, like, uh, what's the like, Fish looked you in water? the eye <laughs> and aimed a gun at their knee and went, "I'll do it," and you're like, "No." don't do it why and they went i'm gonna do it bang and just like shot themselves in the fucking face like they took so many beloved ips and amazon's not out of the woods either but netflix has demonstrated that they don't know how to put on their own shows i thought they did and it turned out that they can't they took the witcher and like uh, the Witcher's an easy one because obviously all the drama around Henry Cavill um, quitting, mm-hmm. being like, fuck this noise, I'm out. Like, And then them being like, well, he was a misogynist pig anyways. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, we get it. Like, Netflix obviously is done. Like, they can't figure it out because they consistently do this to all their shows now. Every show, they fuck it up. And it's the writing staff that they keep going to or something. Well, I, it's it's endemic. It's like systemic. It's within the organization that is actively crushing their shows. I think all these big streaming services we thought were too big to fail, but like, I I think eventually things slow down and then they start panicking. So yeah. like so like when, like like when they blow their wad on The Witcher, they spent so much money on The Witcher and Stranger Things, which already wrote itself. Yeah, but like, <laughs> like actually producing it and doing all this, it's expensive to do fantasy. It's why no one fucking does fantasy anymore, yeah. besides them on Amazon and or on HBO. But like, so I don't know. I I think Netflix slow down for a little bit, but I think it's gonna pick back up again. But like, I don't know. I think I think the problem is they're trying to contain stories, images, and personalities of these actors and directors and writers and all their different and arguing opinions. And they just pick a side and like play. Oh, hope to God you pick the right person to back and not shoot yourselves in the face. But they kind of do all the time when they when you, when you take the nerd cred of Henry Cavill and kind of spit in its face and say, "Well, you lost your entire group. Who's going to follow it?" That's my thing about The Witcher is when you buy The Witcher, right? And you're mm-hmm. saying, "I'm going to make a Witcher series." Who are you selling it to? You're selling it to the people that already know what The Witcher is. And when you put, "Oh, Henry Cavill's going to be the guy." You have already chosen your audience, right? Mm-hmm. Then to actively be like, we're gonna fucking annihilate that audience. We're gonna we're gonna run them through the ringer. You like the story? Fuck you. We're changing it. Oh, you like the actor? Fuck you. We're changing it. Like so, you're counting on those nerds, just like nodding and being like, well, I'll just take what I can get. And what we've learned from internet culture is they they will not. <laughs> and Netflix is learning it the hard way. Well, they can't win. That uh, doesn't matter if they, if they take Dave Chappelle's side or they take someone else's side. They can't win. So it just kind of is what it is, man. You're well, just, just like what I think the fires you, of it all. What I think you need to do is, is if you're gonna run a show, regardless of what you're choosing, if you're gonna do Sex in the City, you are pandering to the people that want to see that. So yep. pander to them. Yep. Don't insult them. Don't change what they want to see, you know? And if you're going to do The Witcher, make the fucking Witcher. Don't change it. (laughs) Adapt it. Like, know your audience and pander to them. 
Like, <laughs> this is from the person who hates Marvel and Star Wars and calls it all pandering, but pandering, yeah, goddamn it, it's your thing. But no, that's the problem, is Marvel stopped pandering. They started oh, insulting their audience. They're they're pandering, trust me. No, well, they're not doing it hard enough. They are still making money. You are so delusional. Okay, we, I got an argument with Corey and I are talking about this. Our friend Corey from Big Dumb Movie was saying, was saying is Shane's wrong about the Star Wars thing. I'm like, I know he's wrong because Shane just says shit and doesn't think. Star Wars and Marvel are not losing money on this. They're still making tons of fucking money from Disney. Not like, as much as they want to make, though, well, which is like, the key. It's never-ending. But they have so much money they're making off of this. Like, like what they measure as failure is different. It is, but because, that's what they're doing all these TV shows. They're cheaper to make than it is to make the movies, which is weird to me. But that's, that's, they're making tons of money off of their streaming they might not making the box office money that they they were, but they're still making tons of money from the streaming services. Yeah, but I would argue that the return is becoming less and less. So they're still in the green. Obviously, they're not going bankrupt, mm. but the return is getting less and less, and that's causing panic because they're based on a model that has to make more and more. Yeah, but they're also like bloated, like like. Okay. Goddamn, like, I would argue if, if they make another Star Wars, it will not make the money that, like, The Force Awakens made because people are fed up. Now, obviously, there's a core group that will—and there's enough of that core group that will, it will make its money back. Well, Like, I, I was wrong. Avatar made a billion dollars. Yeah, well, I, I also <laughs> think, like, people are loving this Andor show. I'm not going to watch it because I don't care. But once again, yeah, give a fuck. that's cheaper, and there's not a big big risk. It's a lower lit risk— and it's getting a smaller reward, but it's safer for them to do it. I don't know if they're going to do more Star Wars movies because I They don't... will. They're just letting it die down a little bit. Yeah, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't really care. I don't fucking care. And you spent 20 minutes talking about this, and I'm really pissed off. What were we talking about? The Boys Season 3. The Boys Season 3. There's something wrong with Homelander. There's something broken. He's lost his fucking mind. Love, mommy, daddy, and Yeah! Talk about bloated and awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't remember it that much because I think... Let's, it was a while ago. Yeah, because, well, you and I talk about this in text, and The Boys is a fun TV show that needs to end. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, one more it, season, and it needs to end. I think it's... It's run out of its steam of one shocking. You can't shock me anymore. You're you're, you're crazy fun orgy. It's hilarious to me, but it doesn't really shock me. Like like yeah, I I, I get it. Um, but I think they're running out of character ideas because they're really getting into like which I like the small characters getting into like the side characters plots, but it shows the end. I, I'm seeing like. I'm seeing the end pages here. It's 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 getting to the end, so it needs to end before it bloats itself too much. It's still fun, and I, I enjoyed it. The adding Jensen Ackles was an excellent yes. addition to his his just like his <laughs> Captain America of Captain America was real is pretty fucking awesome. I <laughs> he's loved fucking it. awful. Yeah, he's Captain <laughs> America. It's it's kind of perfect, and so that was really really fun. Where he likes to fuck old ladies. And uh, smoke weed. He's paranoid. And he, and he's a and he hates black people. Yeah, it's we laugh, but it's awful. But because it's 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 a good satire. Still, it's doing a great job making fun of the superheroes. But it's 
it's it's getting its peak. It's reached its peak and needs to, yes. to taper off and go. But I think it has to now with Billy Butcher basically having a, a clock countdown. So yeah, so it's good. It's fun. I don't have much to say about it besides I'm still enjoying it. But it's like they they keep why Homelander has not just murdered them all. Is it's it's getting a little too much to a mm-hmm. point where like come on, he's literally. He's literally saying like make America great again and doing terrible shit and people are cheering for him so he can do whatever he wants. So like we're at that point where like he's he's going full Trump, I can do what I want to and no one can say no to me. So it's like, come on, I get it, it's funny to an extent, but it's it's not getting grading, but it's like I got it. Right. What I, I would describe it. it is is you get the first season obviously you get introduced to these characters, and that what's that's your make or break, right? Mm-hmm. Butcher is obviously a very fun character to watch, and he's a great person to follow along. He's like he's not Han Solo, but he's like that Han Solo where he's not the main character, but he you're there because you really really love him. Um, and then you have uh, what's his name? Uh, the fucking main character Grody? No. Um, oh, uh, fucking Huey. Huey. Um, Huey. He's the one that this whole arc is going to be around, right? He's the hero's journey. Um, the problem that you run into in season three, and season three is still good, is these characters have now had things that happen, like, oh, Butcher's going to change. But the the story's not very fun if Butcher loses who Butcher is. You have to end it when Butcher changes. So we're circling because they're like, oh, Butcher's changing. Well, that's no fun. Make him act like an asshole again. Okay, yeah. okay, we're back to the old butcher. Like, yeah, it, they cut themselves at the knees to stop the character growth because once the characters grow, the story's over. Yeah, um, that's really so they have to end it. If they yeah. don't end it, same with Homelander. Like yeah. you go like, oh, here's the moment. Okay, no. Oh, here's the moment. Okay, no. Uh, like they have to finish it. It's it's reached its crescendo, and if they extend it past season four. It's not going to be good. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'll. I hope they. Well, they, they gave themselves a timeline, so I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be done. But it, it's still entertaining. It's still fun. The boys is still. It's 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 ten episodes and it's enough and it comes around once a year. Probably the perfect time when I'm like, okay, I'll get back into comic books or superheroes for mm-hmm. a minute and I'll say, here's the boys, and then I'm like, I don't need to watch anything with capes and spandex for a while give me more misery and sexual abuse <laughs> come on more, more macedonian witches please yeah. fuck, fuck, fuck. christ soldier boy you soldier boy tell Speaking of Macedonian torture oh, no. let's get into our least favorite movie of the year we saw this, this might to- be of like the last decade. Yeah, and I think it's terrible by design to an extent. But um, before we get into it, let's, let's, why did we see it because of your birthday? Um, I think this came it out something like that. Yeah, let me see when this came out. Hold on, we did it because we were all getting together and we thought it'd be funny to see Drunk and High. Yeah. Because. Let's just say what our expectations were. I expected it to be a Tenacious D-esque horror film. Yeah. Like Tenacious D and and friends trapped in a mansion with ghosts or a murderous spirit that, you know, 
possesses people. Yeah. And there's going to be rock music and famous people you know, mm-hmm. and it's going to be campy and funny, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't expect an Oscar winner. I didn't expect the horror best horror film ever. I expected yeah. that pick a destiny kind of feel. Instead, we got Studio 666. This is not just a creepy rock and roll house. It allows spiritual entities to cross into our world. What the fuck? Dave Grohl's been possessed. Now he's on a murderous rampage. Ronnie, what is Studio 666? Um, do you want me to tell you what it really is or tell you the plot of the film? <laughs> let's let's start with the plot. Um, it's, uh, the Foo Fighters, starring the Foo Fighters, uh, rent a spooky haunted house to to write a new album in. They get possessed, and then Dave Grohl kills all his bandmates, and it ends with Dave Grohl with scary eyes. And Whitney Cummings is in it for a little bit. Yeah, she's hot. Um, she's hot. <laughs> it's you know what the problem is? It's not funny. And no, it's not funny at all. Even its jokes are awful. Horror comedies get a lot of pass because if they're funny, you kind of forgive the silly premise or the goofiness of it all. I don't. Okay, so so we saw this. I think it was for Shane's birthday. So we did a an in person podcast, and we said let's get really trash and go to the movies, and we did, and we went with uh, one of Shane's friends and. I was so mad like the entire time. It was, it was like it wasn't Ugh. funny at all. It wasn't scary. It was like cheaply poorly made. And then Shane's friend, uh, David, was there. And at one point, David laughs in the film. I looked at him and said, "Are you kidding me?" And he goes, eh, "It's funny." I'm like, "Don't dare laugh in this film." <laughs> that was the funniest part of the movie was me getting. And then mad they at, fought. Yeah, <laughs> me, me and David getting mad at yelling at each other in the movie theater for how not funny this movie was. Don't it, laugh at that. That's not funny. <laughs> But you fell asleep in the movie, actually. I did. I slept through a good part. It was awful. So basically, um, it's a joke, and it's not funny because nothing is taken seriously. And it's, I watched an interview with Dave Grohl describing this film, and this was just pieced together because of COVID. Like, literally. Because like, like in real life, they, their latest album they made in the haunted house. And Dave Grohl literally says, oh, we had extra time and money, so we made a horror film. I'm like, oh, no. I wish I knew that before him. And it's also kind of sad because he murders his drummer and his drummer died like a month later. So it's also yeah. kind of sad too on top of it all. Yeah. So this is like the worst movie of the year. And like you said, Tenacious D is stupid, but I laugh at Pick of Destiny. This movie is not funny. Yeah, it's it's a horror comedy with no comedy or real horror. It's a goddamn slog and it's not it's funny. It's too long. And like, there's no script. There's nothing. It's fucking terrible. It, it, it what you expect from this is like famous people to appear, right? It, like the Foo Fighters are in it, and I don't expect the Foo Fighters to be great actors. In fact, that's probably that should be one of the comedic points yeah. is how bad at acting they are, you know? Yep. But it, what you expect is like when Whitney Cummings comes, like you expect something funny out of her. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, you expect famous people to show up. They'd be like, oh, my God, Lance Armstrong. And then Lance Armstrong gets murdered on screen, yeah. and that's kind of funny, right? And it's like, also weird because the Foo Fighters are not known for horror. Like, Tenacious D is known for, obs- like, over-the-top, ridiculous, 
like mm-hmm. uh, shows and characters and songs. The Foo Fighters are just kind of, you know, rock. So so putting so putting them these rock band just in this horror environment doesn't really make sense. If it was, um, uh, fucking uh, Alice Cooper. If Alice Cooper was yeah. in a horror comedy, which I'm sure he has been. A Rob Zombie. Or, a Rob Zombie. <laughs> there we go. Or Ozzy Osbourne. That kind of fits the premise of it all. But Foo Fighters aren't really known. For like devil worshiping and whatnot, and there's a whole like real story behind the real horror house, but it's not funny, it's not interesting. There's nothing about really music. It's just Dave Grohl being silly, and I like Dave Grohl. He wrote a really good autobiography. It's a really good like uh, short stories. They're really good. I like him in general. This movie is not good at all. Yeah, it's not I'm... even funny. Bad. It's like slog. It's an hour and a half, and it feels like three hours. Yeah, it was so bad. It made my love of Dave Grohl, and I went like, "Fuck you, Dave, <laughs> fuck you." Like, yeah. I just obviously we addressed what could have fixed it is like taking a more tenacious D approach where there's more. There wasn't even music. There, no. there wasn't even like like you, I, it was supposed to sell their album. So I'm like, "Oh, they're gonna incorporate. It's gonna be like a light musical, you know?" Yeah, where they're gonna play music. They didn't even fucking do that. There's nothing creative at all. It's it's literally like. Like, oh, what are you doing? We're going to go rent the horror house. You shouldn't do that. You're going to be haunted. Or that's a waste of money. <laughs> oh, we're here now. What's going on? Oh, look, the, uh, the, the writer's blog. Uh, the, the, the box mood is spooky. Dave Grohl's eyes yeah. are silly. He's seeing cheap hallucinations. Uh, it's They needed yeah. um, comedy actors, they, like, they, more they need, involved. They need, uh, they need writers. Because they yeah, wrote it themselves. They needed, something. They, they, oh. needed, they needed a comedy like writers to actually write this. And it was made during COVID. It feels like it was made during COVID. It feels cheap and terrible. And I don't want to talk about it yeah. ever again. You're welcome, music. <laughs> yeah. Studio 666. Fuck that movie. Let's talk about a movie we love. Let's cleanse our palate with a beautiful sorbet. Shane, what's our next, our um, penultimate film for our discussion? This next film is about the chef. <laughs> the world's greatest chef. And he will be serving tonight your misery and your problems. <laughs> Serve to you, you pigs. And who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh. Is that gonna fit everyone? Yeah, easily. Twelve customers total. How do they turn a profit? Twelve fifty a head. That's how. What are we eating? A Rolex. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are, family. Yes, we harvest. We ferment. We gel. We gel. We gel. Who are you? I am Margot. Why do you care? I have to know if you're with us or with them. This movie's called The Menu, which is about a bunch of fucked up people, like the worst, the, the kind of people you just disdain mm-hmm. um, to include foodies. I yeah. He was the worst, it, like, it, from the beginning, and there's a point to it. And then Anya Taylor-Joy, who plays, I guess, you, the viewer? <laughs> uh, yeah. She's she's an outsider. She's literally, that's what they call it, yeah. an outsider. She is... Yeah, and um, they all buy these super expensive tickets to this restaurant on this island, 
where it's basically an episode of Le Table uh, from Netflix. <laughs> and there's this, like, chef who's played by oh, one of our favorites, Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. And uh, he is serving what we go to find out his last meal. Yeah. Um, don't say any more and, than that because, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to ruin it because everyone always comes to me and they go, is that the movie where they serve people to them? Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah, I thought that too. Just go watch it. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I was worried because I saw a trailer for it. I'm like, oh, this looks like my jam. It looks kind of weird and, and kind of creepy. But I didn't see it because I missed it in theaters. And then my mom said, oh, see, I, and I asked her, I said, hey, is it about them eating people? And she goes, no. I'm like, okay, then I'll see it because that's why I was worried. That's kind of how it's presented. Yes. And because the, the original trailer is very cryptic, but then the second mm-hmm. actual trailer is like, oh, is it going to be that dumb? And it's not that dumb. It's it's not like brilliant, it's- smart. But it's it's not as stupid as you think it might go. So, it's tons of fun. Um, the I'm gonna give a shout out to Nicholas Holt who plays the foodie. He's like one of my <laughs> favorite actors now. He's like he plays a uh, uh, Nicholas the second in um, the Great, oh, and I yeah. love him in the Great. He's just got great comedic timing. He's he's like so always plays these fool of himself. Such a son of a bitch. Yeah, he's uh, but he's great in this, and he gets worse and worse. Anya Taylor Joy plays like the girlfriend who doesn't care about what's going on and kind of gets, she gets dragged into all of this. And then Ralph Fiennes plays an evil genius. Like he always does. Cause he's just the best villain ever. So I'm going to make a request and you can mm-hmm. cut it all, but I want to discuss this w- movie with you. So Let's can do we it. do like a, Hey, here's, spoiler, get here's a spoiler word. Uh, go down yeah. to the, the bottom to skip. Yeah. Get, get out of here. Cause you shouldn't spoil it, but if you have seen it, have fun listening to us. Talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I love how it's set up at first because yep. you you know what exactly what this is. You're like, okay, they're all going to be the most horrible people, the food critic, the Wall Street scumbags, yep. the washed-up actor who's played by I, – God, I love him. Uh, John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo. Quick shout-out. He he was in um, Violent Night, that Santa Claus one I saw, and that <laughs> and he's awful in that. He's good in this. He's He redeems himself because – he is so awful in that goddamn Violent Night one. It's so fucking terrible. So I really like the setup because you want a simple setup for this. Yep. Because it's you're still supposed to be guessing, is this a horror film? Is this a fucked up film? You know, mm-hmm. like, so they keep the mystery well. They get to the island. You don't know who she is. You just think that she's kind of his girlfriend. Then you mm-hmm. find out that, like, she's on the she isn't on the guest list. Yep. And everyone is like, wait a fucking second. That's not who's supposed to be here. And, and yeah. you find out that she was a last minute addition for him. Yep. Um, because he, he got dumped. So she's like, obviously a rebound, which kind of off puts her. But she's like, okay, shake it off, you know? like Which is also a prostitute. She doesn't really care. Right. Which we find out later. Um, We're spoiling it all. So I just want to jump ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. We get there, and then this is the first point where I go, oh, boy, this is people. Because they go to the meat house, and she's like, we yeah. aged the meat precisely 152 days. Yeah. And, like, it's creepy, and this island's weird. And then you get to the restaurant, and it's amazing. Because it's, like, it's like the most pretentious foodie thing. Like, think yep. a pig. Like, very pig-esque. And, like, but it's it's the best parts of that. Where it's like celebrating the art, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, up its own. Like, this is stupid. Self-aware. Yeah, very self-aware. Ralph Fiennes plays your prototypical, like, 
awful chef Gordon Ramsay esque, mm-hmm. who's like, I'm telling a story with my food. Where this movie got really good is, and I, I don't know, I'll, I'll give it to you here, is um when he serves the bread or yeah. not, not bread, and and she's just like, okay, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't smart. This is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, oh, that's clever. And she's like, no, it's not. Where's the fucking bread? And I'm like, wait, yeah, where's the fucking bread? <laughs> that's that's the whole point is, is, is he's torturing the guests because it's an island known for their bread, and he's saying, fuck you, you don't deserve to have bread. He says ironically, he says, he says oh, yeah. oh, you don't deserve just bread because they don't deserve anything because it's the right. whole point of it. But uh, yes, that, that that's that's when the movie is perfect for me. I think in the latter half, I kind of meh as much for me. The first half, they're like the whole, it's really funny. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very tongue in cheek. It's very like, Oh, look how beautiful this is. And then it just kind of makes fun of all these people and all these things going on, the pretentiousness of it all. And then all these assholes get, talked down to by like the wait staff and it's tons of fun to watch him just kind of yeah. ream these people and bring them in and then it doesn't really work for me as a thriller because it's kind of like it's Mm-mm. silly because food i like i like food but it's so pretentious it's kind of silly but it's really funny so the, the humor works for me and then like the little messaging and then like the whole idea of you know your art for your sanity it's not worth it in the end of all this. So like you understand Ralph Fiennes is crazy, but it's okay because they, they pushed him <laughs> off the deep end. <laughs> so it's like, okay, it's you, you forgive the silliness of it all because it's, it's really funny and it's really well made and the acting is great. Oh, the acting is so good. I, and I love the idea of what if you went to a five course fancy meal designed completely to torture you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like mentally torture you. Yeah, it's it's so pretentious and funny, but then it, it kind of has its cake and eat it too. And um, did you notice who one of the executive producers was on this? Is I because because if you saw it, I, I thought I it might change it. your opinion of the movie. Okay, is your is best it friend? McG? No, it's Adam McKay. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Well, he so, didn't have any part of writing it. <laughs> uh, no, executive producer. So I think it was his film company, but. It has that kind of, um, kind of dark comedy, kind of mm-hmm. self awareness to it, but it's 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 not like Don't Look Up or it feels. It really was too smart too to be pre- him. Too pretentious. Yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. I, I liked it a lot. I didn't think it was like the best thing of the year, but it was thoroughly fun, and I, I enjoyed just the silliness and like the I like food in general, and also just all the actors. They're all just great actors put together to do acting things. Yeah, and like Ralph Fiennes is perfect subdued um and i just i love these little it wasn't too long these just good just good bites you know what i mean like if i was going to describe it a meal it's just a great snack mm-hmm. the northman is a meal this yeah. movie is a snack and you yep. go like god that was good yeah um i do love like that ralph finds is like he's so smart, you know, and he's the best mm-hmm. chef ever and he's tearing apart these people, but he meets someone that he doesn't have time to prep for and who's yeah. just kind of a normal person and he can't figure her out. <laughs> he can't figure out people that aren't crazy. Yeah, well, he's methodical and he realizes who she is, but he's kind of testing her, but he has to improvise and, and that's not his way. He doesn't improvise. Everything is so methodically planned out and perfect. So when she throws the monkey wrench into it, 
Mm-hmm. It's fun, but even though he has a backup plan, so she even she can't yeah. outsmart him fully. She she connects to his like you said. It reminds me of Pig, where it, it kind of like it connects to that emotional thing of food and art and craft, but then not to a point where it breaks the film. Because Pig's a different movie. Pig is oh yeah an emotional roller coaster that really dives deep. This movie has an emotional core, but it doesn't dive too much into it because it knows it's kind of silly. So you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't get too much into it, but it's it's excellent. It's, it's well done. Yeah, and like she being a normal person who obviously he hasn't interacted with just a normal person in a long time mm-hmm. gives him what he wants by just wanting a hamburger, and he's kind of like thankful. Where he's like, you know what? Thank you. Here's a hamburger. <laughs> like, I wanted to place the side bed and record it and put it before, but I wanted to guess. Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming you watched the menu, and you're probably inebriated. Did you get a hamburger afterwards? I had two In-N-Out burgers. Style <laughs> I, fries. Knew I knew you would, too, because I was like, oh, my God, I want a cheeseburger. I was, it was like, too late fuck, at night. that looks good. <laughs> I know, right? I wanted the cheeseburger so bad after I watched that scene. I was like, oh, God, I'm, I want to trash a cheeseburger. <laughs> I am not drinking currently, but I am getting high. So it's not really a sober January. It's just uh, I'm not going to drink January. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Um, as high as fuck January. <laughs> I was high as hell watching this thing. And that was the only thing to make me hungry because I was watching and <laughs> I spit out my, my water when I was watching when the, the lady goes, mm, I just, I love foam. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so, Oh my God, that's exactly how people feel at these things. We're like, Oh, thanks for the salt foam. <laughs> it's okay. No, we're going to die today. Yes, yeah. Happy birthday to you told them it was my birthday? Seemed funny about three hours ago. <laughs> Speaking of spitting out foam, oh. <laughs> let's get to our final film. So I blame our... you for this entire fucking thing. And so... I watched it at one and a half times speed, and it still was too <laughs> fucking long. <laughs> okay. So this is your first time listening to us do our end of the year podcast. Fuck! And... Our first one we did in 2020, we did The Fat Man. We did a little kind of deep dive onto a film. We did a little. So much better. Uh, then last year we did. Shane, do you remember the name of our last film from last year? Um, Remind me. I'm trying to. Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh my God! That, that <laughs> not the not boxing film about yeah. a boxer that that has sex with a minor. Doesn't have sex with a minor. That's the oh yeah, yeah. The that, that's they rewrite it so he didn't do it he didn't do it Bayou Caviar by oh I forgot about that was how do that you forget about Bayou Caviar that, thing that was worse than this I will yeah. say that that was much worse than On the Line and On the Line is fucking garbage this movie is boring that movie is an entertaining like nightmare of like what the fuck is going on this movie is boring until it's not um <laughs> so every year I like to. Well, I'm watching films and going through my Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime always tells me recommended for you. <laughs> and it's either terrible nightmare fuel that makes you feel bad or B-movie trash because it's all I watch. B-movie trash or nightmare that makes you feel bad about living and existing. So whenever they pop up, I add them to my list. And then at the end of the year when we do this, I, I give Shane a couple movie choices. And I send Shane the trailers. I send him this Russell Crowe one. 
called Poker Face. <laughs> I wish I would have done that one now. <laughs> Which is just as stupid, too. Or yeah. On the Line, starring Hollywood golden boy Mel Gibson. All right, people. Settle in. Relax. Give me a call. This is On the Line. Are you ready? I'm always ready. We're expecting your calls. Talk to Elvis live on air and tell him about all of your issues and problems. Okay, we got Gary on the line. What say you, Gary? I'm going to do something really screwed up tonight. Can I say what I thought this movie was going to be? Yeah, tell us what you think it is, and I'll go through a, a quick premise of what it is. Okay, so I watched the trailer, and at first I was like, oh, Poker Face? Hell yeah, like Liam Hemsworth and Russell Crowe. Or, or, and RZA? And, yeah, Wu-Tang? like... And he's like a famous poker player, but then it went into like, I've trapped you all here. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. I thought it was just going to be about poker. I'm done. I'm out. Um, And then I saw the trailer for this, and it was Mel Gibson, and he's like some radio jockey, which I was like, oh boy, like nothing like referencing something that doesn't really exist anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like instead of being a podcaster or something, he's okay, radio jockey. Okay. And Bill he's Gibson on, doesn't understand podcasts. That's why he's like, no. what's a podcast? Oh. And he's he's like, yeah. And then like a killer or someone is calling from his house being like, I have your family. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of like, that could be kind of stupid and fun. Like I loved Ransom and I had Mo Gibson. And I thought that's what this was going to be is like this thriller where he is actively negotiating with someone that has his family on the radio mm-hmm. While I'm sure some clever way he can't stop him until he figures it out. I was like, hour and a half, mm-hmm. like, thriller to get, give me back my family kind of thing. Like, classic Mel Gibson. Yeah, and, and to your defense, it actually kind of has the pacing of Ransom. Because I remember Ransom, the first half is that, mm-hmm. and the second half is, like, revenge, right? Yeah. He hires bounty hunters to, like, he, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, yeah, you'll all be hunted forever. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a Ron Howard film. Um, yeah, but, made um, by someone who knows how to make a movie, apparently. Not yeah. this. So, what we did get <laughs> is, <laughs> is Mel, Gi- Mel Gibson, and the, the plot calls him a shock radio like DJ. And I was like, oh, are we getting like Howard Stern? Because I thought in my head, maybe it'll be like a Don Imus or like a, um, mm. or like a um, fucking uh, Rush Limbaugh type character where, where right. Mel Gibson's just complaining about uh, liberals and uh, and woke culture, which he kind of does, but kind of doesn't because he doesn't really spend too much time on that. Yeah. But basically, it pre- starts off with the premise is Mel Gibson is a wonderful family man. He's got a wife that's way too young for him and a daughter that's also way too young for him because he's like 75 and this yeah. girl's like six. So you're like, it's okay, this is a family man, family man film. Then, then it's like, a, for some reason, it's supposed to be a big show. But it doesn't tell you it's a big show. Then you're like, oh, by the end, you're like, oh, okay, I get that's why it's a big show. Yeah. But um, but Mel Gibson is like, you know, he's he's tired of all, and you know, tired of you know not having the good spot. There's a a new rookie joining in the day. He has like this um, this producer there. It's so it's like this, and to put on the big show, he basically he takes like calls online and says he says the real stuff to these people and gives them real <laughs> advice and plays shitty 90s music and acts like people give a fuck about midnight talk radio it's not a thing <laughs> yeah. anymore but then a caller calls in and the caller is at his house and he's holding him for ransom 
and then he makes Mel Gibson uh, basically tell the truth about some things going on in his life. He gets on the roof and tells him, you have to jump off the roof or I'm going to murder your family. And then they realize they wrote themselves into a corner. <laughs> so then they entirely rewrite the movie and starts over from there. Oh my God, I know. And then, and- so after the first 30 minutes, it's basically kind of the ransom plot Shane's talking about. And then... And then it becomes old man diehard, and it gets really slow and boring. The oldest and cheapest diehard you could think of, where for 30 fucking minutes, two men wander around an office that they've yeah. already rented and just and, look in rooms. And Mel Gibson is, like, is like fast-walking out of breath, and it makes me laugh, because he's, like, fucking 75. It's, it's, you're killing Mel here, and you paid him. All the He's money like, because God all the damn it, stairs again. Because <laughs> <laughs> all the actors are foreign, so they're all paid for for less than scale. They're paid for microscopic scale. They paid them nothing to to do these terrible lines. So oh. Mel Gibson, obviously, all the money went there, and they rented out a, a some kind of law office or something because it all looks yeah. shitty and cheap, and it it's supposed to play like a like a like a a tight thriller, and it's a fucking bloated thriller. And then the entire time, it does this most annoying thing where the bad guy is in the building all along and he's literally doing the Joker mm-hmm. and he's like, and he's like cackling and saying these super witty and fun things and playing cat and mouse the entire time. And it builds it up and it's really fucking boring. So, and so just through like behind the scenes, I watched it first and I've been sick the past week. So I watched it and I'm texting Shane Shane watches it after me, and Shane's bitching to me. Like, it'd be more fun to just us read <laughs> our text back and forth of Shane bitching about this movie to me than us talking about the film, but but it's boring. <laughs> it's really fucking boring, and then it gets to the ending, and that's when things change and it makes me giggle. But before we get to the ending, anything else to add before we get to there? Um, it's It's got nothing redeeming. It, it like his lines are jaw-droppingly bad. Like you could improvise lines that were better. Yeah, Mel Gibson when... isn't always known for his acting, but he's better than this. He's oh, he's, he's usually way fun. better. He's just gr- he's just the old man growl where he doesn't care. It's like put in a little more effort because you you know and you're getting paid a couple mil for this and you don't deserve it's, it. Mel, it's written by someone that I. Because they set him up as like a a family man, right? Like he loves his family and stuff, and then he gets yes. to work and he's a cocksucker. He's an absolute asshole with no redeem, like a drug addict asshole. Yes, and but, I'm like, wait, who? Who's he? What? But once again, once once the premise is finally you know pulls the rug underneath you, you're like, oh, you did this just to fuck with the audience because the entire movie is nothing in the end. But um. But yeah, he's an asshole, so he's not redeemable. But you you, you care because they're innocent people, right? Because mm-hmm. you you saw Mel Gibson spend ten minutes with his family, so he can't be a total asshole. But he's an asshole, and then the entire the entire premise builds him up to even be a bigger asshole than he is. I this movie I, sucks. It's it's terribly shot. It's it's written by. I think he's French. He does French film. So this is like the, the that French, explains it. The French example of like an action film. It's kind of like in like um, the eighties, all those B movies that like Italians and like uh-huh. um, and kind of like the Hong Kong filmmakers are kind of make to kind of 
not make fun of, but kind of do their own version of American action films. I and wish kind of, this was made in Hong Kong. That would have been badass. It would be exciting at least. This movie's fucking bland. There is no action. Dog it's shit. all boring. And, and the problem is, it's once you figure out what's going on here, it's like, oh, that's why there's no action, because they yeah. couldn't do the they action. They couldn't. Okay. Shane, I'll give it to you. I'll let you... Give the first twist, and I'll give the second twist. The fact that you have to say the first twist. Yeah. <laughs> because even M. Night Shyamalan knows not to twist upon a twist. Before we like, get there, when did you when did you call it? At what point did you call it? The first oh, twist. Oh. Um, did you, were, I didn't know you this really movie. You weren't really paying attention. Would, right? you, you weren't really paying well, attention, so you probably didn't really notice. And I didn't give this movie credit enough to actually have a twist in mind. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, wow, like, that's dumb, but good on you. And then I called how that would end, the first twist. And then with the second twist, I called immediately. Yes. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. No, the the second one, I was like, I was like, it's not going to end on the downer. There's no way. It's got to be for sure. And um, I called it when when they did the one, two, three code. I was like, I was like, that is so stupid, and it's too stupid for a stupid movie. Stupid, so it has to be. This has all got to be a big old ruse. So Shane, tell us what happens. Mel Gibson stumbles his way up the flight of stairs, and we have the big face-off. What happens, Shane, when they're in the studio? So they claim that his family's hooked up to a bomb. And then a random SWAT guy wanders in. <laughs> and I was like, what? They sent one guy? Like, hey, guys, I got the bomb. And that's when I was like, wait a fucking second. Like, it, it turns out it was all a ruse. It was all set up as a prank on the new guy. And the whole staff was in on it. And it was for the radio show. Like, like they would do on the new guy. And the new guy is just like fuck you this is fucked up and we're like yeah that's that's pretty fucked up and they're like oh come on guy like don't be a pussy like it was funny you thought my family was gonna be blown up like that's funny right and then and then he falls down the stairs and dies and you're like oh okay like i i knew that's how it was gonna end i'm like he's gonna like shoot himself or he'll be dead and then it'll be that'll be the whole message of the story is don't do elaborate pranks and then the second twist is he's not dead. This has all been a ruse upon a ruse to say happy birthday to Mel Gibson. Yeah. The problem when you do movies like this is when everything was all fake, it means it wasted your time. Yeah. It, it just means I wasted my time. Because it wasn't even an exciting action. It was boring. So then everything yeah. makes sense. Oh, it's boring because you really can't shoot and kill people because it's actually fake. So then so then it's a whole like joke and a ruse. But then in that case, I'm like, oh, then I don't care about the stakes. I didn't care about it before, but then afterwards, you're like, I just wasted my time watching this. So it's fake. And then my question is, everyone knows it's a prank because he's known for pranks. Yeah. So So no one would have ever believed it was real because... And even at the point where if, if you have – like, who's it for? It's it's for the new guy, but it's not, though, right? It's for the radio show. I I almost would have rathered – and I don't even I, – I'd rather this movie just never had been made. 
but yeah. that that Mel Gibson thinks it's a prank that he set up, but then it turns out that the guy that's running the prank actually hates Mel Gibson and is running it for real. Yeah, that that'll be fun because then he would be questioning what's real and what's not. Yeah, and like when he'd realize that you know that's that's not fake blood, like you know, then yeah, and also then, it'd make him less yeah. of an asshole too because the entire time it's just like, oh, you're an asshole, so like, so you're not redeemable and likable. So even in the first twist, when the kid dies and Mel Gibson's life is gonna be ruined because he got someone killed, you'd care, but you're like, oh, you're an asshole. You get what you deserve, but. <clears throat> I knew that was a fake because I'm like, there's no way this movie's going to end seriously. And no radio station has enough money to pull that off. <laughs> no, it's, it's done on, the, on the, the YouTuber is the one who basically plans it all out and yeah. does it for his YouTube channel. So he's got like that entrepreneur money. But like, it's really annoying because it, it kind of tells you it's fake from the beginning. Because at first you're like, why, are you, why is he being chewed out by his boss? His boss tells him, you're not getting the proper numbers and... Yeah, your your jokes go too far. So I get they're setting up the ending, but the entire time I'm like, like, like you're just wasting my time. And then and they, and they set up the whole Matt Dillon. He's an asshole. Oh, oh so it must be him. And they do the whole squeal like a pig thing. Oh I'm like, my but that doesn't God. make sense though because Mel Gibson gives the camera a look. Like, oh, Mel Gibson's figuring out who it is. But the new guy doesn't know that. No. He wouldn't make those connections. Like, it, it should be the new guy solving the mystery, but... Yeah, but the but the point is the new guys with Mel Gibson all along, and she's like, "Why? Like, oh, I get why, but it's like, why are you doing it to the kid? Like, it's just kind of fucked." And the I irony hate is, you. and the <laughs> and the irony of it all is, is the story's about don't fuck with people, but then he fucks with someone, and then they say don't fuck with him, but then in the end it's like keep fucking with people. This I wasted what? my time. <laughs> and they also should have been like. The year is 1995, so that the radio jockey makes sense. Yeah, and, and back then, Mel Gibson wouldn't be, you know, blackballed. <laughs> Christ, I'm allergic to this fucking nonsense. <laughs> so, I, yeah, we ended our uh, our wonderful year of films by picking a terrible movie. It's called All the Line, starring Mel Gibson. Not to be confused with On the Line, starring Lance Bass from NSYNC. Or Walk the Line. <laughs> Starring uh, alcoholic Johnny Cash. I just, I'm so glad that I watched The Northman after this so that I could forget mm-hmm. everything. And now that you've made me remember Bayou Caviar. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, this one's boring bad. Bayou Caviar is it's incompetent bad. bad. Yeah, it's, but it's like... also fascinating. Like, like really? Yeah. Really? This like, one's just boring oh. bad. And then the ending is so insultingly bad. Like, oh my God. <laughs> this eye rolled. And I, I'm not joking. Like, I watched the first 40, no, like 30 minutes at normal speed. Mm-hmm. And I fast forwarded <laughs> at one and a half speed with subtitles. And I wasn't missing a thing. No, oh. that, that that middle 30 minutes, well, all of it sucks. But the middle 30 minutes is really oh sloggy. Oh, God. It goes on for a long time. Like, us reading our text messages back and forth would be way more fun. This is like, because I'm sitting there in my head knowing, like, I was asking you, what point are you in the movie? Because your anger just builds up and builds up more and more until it fully explodes by the end. We're all listening. Show yourself, you slippery son of a... Yeah, um, would you recommend people watch On the Line? No, not even for fun. Oh. Just, no, just don't fun. do it. 
Watch the Northman. It might be fun if Dan doesn't listen to this podcast. If we if we make Dan Oh, if we can get Dan it. and tell him to just text us when he thinks of stuff and then read <laughs> yeah. his text messages. <laughs> That's about it. If you want to torture someone, yeah. you can watch it. But it's it's not funny bad. It's just boring bad. It's so. so bad. It's not like the room uh, where you're like, What? Like No, it's it's more like, oh God. It's just like cliched trash. Shade it's trash. like um, um making someone watch steven seagal's new films or you're, you're yeah, like where they're, Ugh. like i don't like action in general but if it's got a good action at least you can justify eh, it's entertaining action there's no action in this there's no thriller there's no likable characters there's no themes there's no redeeming qualities there's nothing even cinematically interesting about it it's just really bad acting made by a foreign director I'm not putting down foreign directors, but when foreign directors try to make trashy American movies, they just make trashy American foreign movies. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's bad. Don't watch On the Line. Thanks, 2022. Oh, I didn't mention Halo. Don't watch that either. That's dark shit. Did you did you ever finish Halo? I got to where Master Chief has sex, and I was like, what the oh. fuck? I watched the four episodes that we reviewed on our podcast that no one listened to, and then I end my subscription because I was like, "You're done, right?" And you're like, "Yeah." I said, "Cool, I can get to Paramount Plus now." Yeah, that was um, that was that was something. What's funny is like that Halo is so bad, no one's talking. About Once it. again, like, it's so boring. Why didn't you just make it for the audience you knew that was gonna watch it? Who cares? Okay, um, so. Overall, 2022 was a great year for films. We, we we found some gems and some good ones. We bitched about some other ones, but I think overall it was a quality film. There's still a bunch I didn't get to see. I wanted to see Tar. I don't think I want to see The Whale with Fat oh, Brendan with, Fraser. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm just going to feel bad for Fat Brendan Fraser, but I hope he wins an Oscar so that the world gives him his his due desserts, I guess. I don't know. He's not that great of an actor ever. Like The Mummy's fun. He was good but, in um Taps. No, it wasn't Taps. It was uh, School Ties. I don't know. Brendan Fraser is like Tom Cruise to me, where he, like he's serviceable and fun to watch, but I wouldn't call him a great actor. But everyone likes Brendan Fraser. Like, he seems likable. Why not? Hey, cool. he Works stood his ground and didn't have sex with that casting director. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> uh, but um, is there anything that's coming out next year that you're looking forward to this year? Because this year, it's already 2023. Oh, um... Let's look up something. What's coming out? What, what is coming out? I, I know there is stuff. Um, oh, Dune! Upcoming Dune movies. Part Two. Oh, Dune Part Two. I haven't seen Dune Part One, but I, I will. Ooh, I will. Dune Part One's really good. Um, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Oh, that's one of those. Um, when someone bought the uh the rights, because Winnie the Pooh's public domain, they're gonna do it there. They're gonna do like they did like a. Knock off violent. Dead, with the Deadpool too. 3 or 4? No. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Fast and Furious 10? Speaking of terrible movies, I saw Scream 5. That's like one of the worst fucking movies ever. Scream 5 sucks. I, I'm i right now not seeing any movies that interest me. It looks like John a bunch of sequels. You have a John Wick 4 and we have a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh, isn't that supposed to be kind of comedic in a way? Yeah, it's got Chris uh, Pine. So, I actually um, I, I saw the trailer for that and I was intrigued. I was uh mm-hmm. oh Indiana Jones five, the Dial of Destiny. 
That, that title is hilarious to me. Um, they just released a, a trailer for Renfield. Did you watch that with Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt? No, but uh, Nicholas Cage plays Dracula, and Nicholas Holt, the one from um, from the menu and the and the and the fucking what's the one I just talked about the the one on Hulu where it's about Nicholas II. That movie, oh, that, the that great show. Yeah, the the great. Yeah, he plays Renfield. He has to like deliver all these dead bodies to him. He gets tired of it, so he goes to, like a, a support group for like toxic relationships. <laughs> check, check out the, the the trailer. Looks pretty funny. Oh, that was a movie I wish I would have saw this year. I think the Nicolas Cage movie was like being Nicolas Cage. Oh yeah, I didn't see that one either. The the ter- un- unbearable weight yeah. of success, something like that. Um, Another Evil Dead movie coming out that looks fucked up. Are we gonna watch the Transformer movie together? Oh, Blade is coming out. They're making another Blade. Yeah, it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Shame. Oh, I like Oh, they that. have uh, Mission Impossible. We'll probably see that. Barbie. Yeah, wow. Um, not a not a stellar oh. lineup. Oh, the Meg 2? Oppen- nice. Oppenheimer. The Christopher Nolan one about Oppenheimer looks pretty good. I'll, I'll give that a shot. I like Nolan. He's a little grandiose, but, I mean. Well, like, his, his, his movie is, like, are always good. They're always entertaining good. They're not like, you know, like, oh my God, my life has changed. But like, oh, the Meg 2, the train. Yeah, again. All right, well, so far, um, not... Oh, looking. fuck this. They're making another Exorcist. They're, they're getting David Gordon Green to fucking take... Who, to, who fucked up Halloween movies and they're no. just doing another goddamn Exorcist. I'm so fucking pissed off. I love the Exorcist. And they're going to fuck that up. Oh my God. I'm so mad right now. Well, well, another Willy Wonka movie with Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, it does not look very good, uh, the lineup here. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a bunch of art housey bullshit with full of rape and misery that I'll see. So I'll, I'll look forward to that stuff, but nothing big besides Dune. Dune 2. Dune 2. Um, Dune, but. Um, okay, so we have a lot of great things for you to check out. Check them out from last year. Uh, we have a big podcast coming up in January. Mm-hmm. And after that, we're going to take a little hiatus. We'll probably tell you more as we Big get plans. into the nitty-gritty of it. Big plans for 2023. It's gonna, We're either going to be stars or duds. Yeah, either this, uh, you'll never hear from us again, or you'll only hear from us again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You sons of bitches forced us to do this by not giving us money, so now we got to go find a way to make money. <laughs> we got some ideas, but um, if you're still here, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Please subscribe. We're going to sell plushies. Social media. Ooh, <laughs> plushies. Like plushies that you can fuck. Like every uh, YouTube fuck, fuck person you. ever. Uh, buy my yeah, plushie. Plushie, <laughs> plushies you can fuck. We'll call them fuckies. Oh, yeah. That sounds nice. All right. But uh, thank you. Subscribe on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Um, subscribe on YouTube. And that's about it. Keep listening. And uh, sh- and Shane says he's going to start editing podcasts this year. So Yeah, I'm going to try. I put it on my uh, New Year's resolution. Do one a month. No one ever does that. Okay. But uh, thank you, Shane. Take us out of here. Fuck you, 2022. You suck. All you brought us was more junk. Shabop, shaboop, shabop to 2023. Yeah. To a better year. Less problems, right? No, things only get better. The war in Ukraine's only gonna wind down, right? <laughs> <laughs>
Just like that civil war in Ireland. <laughs> You're fucking dull. I'm not dull. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking dull, and you know. It's not a problem. You're just fucking dull. We're just going to watch it in Bruges again. <laughs> You're a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Now we're recording. Yay. Very good. This is going to be a good one. Okay. Uh, 2020 20, or 22 actually made me a little happier. Probably because I just didn't watch movies that I didn't want to see yeah. <laughs> on the line. <laughs> I... And that one made me really, really mad. But all these other movies made me happy. Oh, good. Um, I saw set. Because I was going to. Oh, I saw like 70 movies this year. So I've seen a fuck ton of shit. Jesus Fucking and I'm going to say, in, on general, I, like you said, I picked things I wanted to see. And there's a lot of good stuff that was out there. A lot of shit, but I'm not talking about this shit, usually. Except for... I watched a lot of Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the new season yet. Dude, they're making a movie. And I think Dennis Quaid is going to be Rick. Oh, no. That's a joke. That's a... That, that was like a live action. It was a joke. It was like a live action episode, yeah. right? Something, because like the... Uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker were supposed to be the writers for it, but they got fired probably for being Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Oh, you know more than I do then. Yeah, I. but I was like, Dennis Quaid? Hell yeah. <laughs> no one says hell yeah to Dennis Quaid. <laughs> this sounds like a shit show. Hey, if Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon are involved, it'll keep it somewhat on the rails. If they're not in total control, it's game over. Yeah. So, um, remember when you were watching on the line, um, I was texting you, I was, oh I was, tr- I was, I was trying God. to sleep. So I've been, I'm like, I'm just been on cough syrup all week and I was homesick. So I thought it'd be a good idea because I couldn't sleep because I've been sleeping so much. I was like, well, cough syrup's not working anymore. So I tried taking an edible with it. Oh my God. <laughs> that was a big mistake. <laughs> Holy hell. <laughs> I was so paranoid and panicking. I was having like a panic attack. I was like, I was like, oh my god! As I'm just like, this fucking, this is awful. I hate you. You're the only thing keeping me grounded in reality was your text messages about how terrible that movie was. I was panicking, dude. <laughs> that thing was next level. God. It no, it was. Luckily, I watched The Northman right after yeah. it, and that that saved me. I was gonna say you picked a good one to do afterwards, but. That was great, and that was uh, I was del- I was like delusional watching it. I'm like, I don't even know if that really watched what I watched. <laughs> so I'll see if it's all a real thing or not. It was all a dream. <laughs> all right. Um, um, I'm sick. Should I? You, be... Yeah. G- give us our intro I'll in here, intro. and then um, we'll just d- do a brief discussion of what we're doing, and then we'll just say we're and we'll do a. A deep dive into the greatest movie made of 2022 at the end, and then we'll maybe do like a little any movies coming out this year we're excited for, and that's basically it. It's me, Shane, and Ronnie, and the end of the year, well, beginning of a new year, wrap up of 2022. Is this you actually starting this? 
No. I'll do it again. Come on. <laughs> Give us some panache. All right. <clears throat> it goes on for a long time. Like, us reading our text messages back and forth would be way more fun. This is like, because I'm sitting there in my head knowing, like, I was asking you, what point are you in the movie? Because your anger just builds up and builds up more and more until it fully explodes by the end. I'll, I'll pull it up. Here we go. Let's like. Yeah, let's do this. Um... Let's start. Uh, get all, and if it gets boring, I'll cut this off. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, at one twelve, I said, "Well, you have to watch on the line still." <clears throat> nope. Keep going. Okay. So I said, "Okay." Go. God forgive for, me. For, all right. So I said, "God forgive me. Take away. Take me away, Mel Gibson." You just say, <laughs> "It's so bad." I say, "This is after a few minutes or so." I'm starting to go. Mel is too fucking old to have a four-year-old. Kill me. <laughs> Oh my god, who wrote this dialogue? I said, oh, it gets better. It gets boring after a while, but then it gets better. What the fuck? I hate you. Like, this is so <laughs> low for Mel Gibson. I said, you picked it. <laughs> we could have watched Fat Russell Crowe fight thieves. <laughs> like, someone wrote this script, and Mel agreed. There has to be money laundering involved in the making of this. <laughs> I said, you fucking wait. And then, wait, is his character an asshole now? Lol. What? I'm so confused. And then I gave a, uh, a wonderful Mel Gibson gif of him smacking himself. So he's a family man, but an asshole. I wanted Ransom. <laughs> and I gave yeah, more Mel gifts. Gibson gif of, give me back my son. <laughs> <laughs> and you say, what part are you at? And I go, Gary is holding yeah. family hostage, and we're dragging this talk on and on and on. I said, has it become dire? And I go, what? <laughs> I said, you have so much ahead of I you. I say, fuck me. And I added a Dr. Evil gif. And then I just start just sending messages. Right? Yeah, I was also trying to fall asleep and she kept... And I go, wait, this is the plot? A lady killed herself because he was mean? What is the message? This movie's like 20 years too late. A shock radio jockey? And then you send yeah, a gif. Baby, yeah. And I say, is the bad guy Dylan... Oh, now it's Die Hard. Dear God. Or is Matt Dillon, <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> I'm just... That's a classic misdirection. <laughs> and I go, wait, now is it Saw? <laughs> Saw Jeff. And I go, two hours? Fuck! <laughs> you, I said, you better watch it all. And I gave him a, a very angry Mel Gibson. And I go, oh my God, it's 30 minutes of wandering around. <laughs> you go, wait. Randy, Randy Marv, Jeff, uh, wait for it. <laughs> I go, for fuck's sake, it was really just a random guy. <laughs> And then Ryan Gosling, Jeff laughing. Go, Dude, this is the most low budget, low bullshit I, I wanted to. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little high now. Wonder. Yeah, you're really high. One, you're misspelling everything. One random SWAT guy wanders in with the bombs. What? What do you want me to do with these? <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what the dialogue is said by this one. This is what do you want me to do with these? these? <laughs> He's holding bombs. I go, oh, for fuck's sake, I want to kill myself. You encourage me to kill Jack myself? Jack Nicholson, <laughs> Jack Nicholson, Jeff, nodding, kill yourself. And then I go, this was the dumbest twist ever, was ever made or not needed. I want to watch Triple X. <laughs> and I go, it was a double, double, double cross. The, f the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> I said genius, and he tried to call me to be really uh, angry at me. Yeah, <laughs> and then I got. He told me not to disturb me. I go, I hate you. 
And then, and then obviously I'm watching the Northman because I go, Willem Dafoe's in the Northman? <laughs> <laughs> and then things got better after yeah, that because you watched the Northman. 